spoke with this Don Kaplan? Have you ever called Don Kaplan on the phone? Well, I never have either. So if Don Kaplan of the New York Post has never met us, how does Don Kaplan know that we're terrorists? Don Kaplan also writes that Arabs in ski masks carried Davari out as a sacrifice last week. Arabs in ski masks. In ski mask, exactly. In a ski, a ski mask. How does he know that they were Arabs? The point is, because of articles like this, because of the fear that the media has put in all of you people, I have been denied my God-given right to pursue the profession of my choice, to pursue the American dream. I have been denied my basic rights as an American citizen. You know, as I look around this crowd, and I look at all these faces, looking back at me in disgust. 
I think a lot of you people have forgotten what this country was founded on. I think all of you people have forgotten that your ancestors fought for their freedom. They gave their lives for their freedom, whether they be black, whether they be Irish American, Italian American, Jewish American, Asian Americans, they gave their lives for their freedoms. What's next, people? What's next? Because anytime anything goes wrong in this country, it's the Arabs. When a plane crashes, it's the Arabs. When a bomb goes off, it's the Arabs. The blackout two summers ago, it was the Arabs. Hurricane Dennis must be the Arabs. Say what you want, because I have a right to be in here. I have a right to say what I want and what I'm going to say. My name is Mohammed Hassan. I am an Arab American, and I am very proud of my heritage. But as an American, my First Amendment rights have been trampled. And I stand here before all of you, ashamed of my country. شما دوتا میفهمین چی نوشتن همینجا What a controversial character in 2005 my god you know, you listen to the crowd reaction. They fucking hated Davari and Muhammad Hassan. But at the same time, the hardcore wrestling fans loved it, ate it up. I fucking loved Muhammad Hassan. I mean, we could separate wrestling and entertainment in real life, but WWE, man, totally blew it with this whole character and storyline to the point that when they simulated Davari as being like a, a, a terrorist who sacrificed his body at the hands of The Undertaker, and then Hassan doing the camel clutch, which 
some people interpret it as an attempted beheading, which I thought was a little bit ridiculous. And having the masked wrestlers camouflaged, whether there was a bombing that day in the UK or not, WWE just didn't know where to stop with this character. And this week in 2005, that promo that you just heard aired only on WWE.com because UPN absolutely would not allow Muhammad Hassan to be on SmackDown anymore. And you think about it, reflection, and say, oh, well, why didn't they just move him to Raw? (laughs) Nobody ever talks about it, but I don't even think the USA Network wanted Muhammad Hassan on their channel. So it was this week in 2005, that promo aired on WWE.com, and the Hassan character was done. After the pay-per-view, two months later, he was out of the WWE. And I am surprised to this day he has not returned. He's still in phenomenal shape. He's still a young guy. But what shoulda, coulda, would've. If WWE just did not fucking push the envelope. And we were in a transition where WWE was going to be more kid-friendly. So, I tell you, I I look back on that and I'm still baffled with how WWE handled that. And if you even want to go a step further, look at the immediate reaction by WWE right after the fact that that segment with Undertaker aired the same day of the bombings. I mean, it was almost as foolish as them taking the apology down from their website after JBL did the goose step in Germany. Anyway, what's up, everyone? Don Tony here. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 28 of This Week in Wrestling History. This week, we covered a period of July 8th through July 14th, and we got a loaded show today. Wow. I, I know I say it a lot, but this episode was really fun to put together because of so many memorable moments, even moments that you may have just totally forgot about or didn't even know existed. But let's kick it right off. 1984, Black Saturday. Now, the best way I could describe it to today's standards is imagine AEW on TV prospering around for a few years, not competition to WWE, but still finding their niche, a totally different product. Hardcore wrestling fans love AEW instead of the WWE and the campy entertainment that we have today. And now let's say AEW's on TV for a few years. They're on TNT. And then one day, You turn on TNT expecting to watch AEW and instead you get WWE. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? That's probably the best way I could compare it to today. I know years back people would use the TNA comparison, but, you know, that's what happened in 1984. TBS the mainstay for the NWA and Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'll let Jim Cornette, who did a little interview segment with Bill Eady, the former um, Acts of Demolition and the Mad Superstar. They actually had a little conversation about Black Saturday, which you'll hear in a moment, because I don't want to explain the whole scenario and then you hear it again. But just to summarize it, you know, Vince McMahon... 
got the rights to air World Wrestling Federation in the 605 time slot on TBS, and NWA wrestling fans were livid. They were pissed off. This was 1984. We were now getting the WWF sports entertainment, rock and wrestling. Everything was on the horizon, and they did not like WWF programming. They didn't like the superheroes. They wanted the more raw Southern wrestling. And instead, they got Vince McMahon. Now, Vince McMahon at the time promised that they were going to do tapings in the TBS studios, which never happened. They were going to give a really competitive product. And instead, uh, we got uh, typical shows that we would see on Channel 9 here in New York. And, you know, ultimately, Vince McMahon would sell the time slot, sell, you know, everything back, and he funded WrestleMania. Again, rather than me explain everything, here's a quick clip of Jim Cornette and Bill Eady talking about Black Saturday, how it went down, and what transpired following the invasion. I guess you could call it the invasion of WWF on TBS. July 14th, 1984 was Black Saturday. Jim Barnett had convinced the Briscoe brothers to, uh, Barnett, uh, basically it was uh, the story that, that Jack and Jerry tell, and I be believe them, was that they were calling Vince to find out about Roddy Piper's health because he was up there then and they'd heard he'd got injured. But the point was that Jim Barnett had gone to work for Vince McMahon and he told Vince exactly what was going on in the Georgia office, who owned what, how you could get majority interest, that national TV spot, they're, they're fucking it up, Vince. Yeah. Yeah. And so Barnett convinced the Briscoes to sell their shares to Vince McMahon along with his and along with Paul Jones's, who was in ill health at the time yeah. and was just anxious to get out of it. All of a sudden, Ole Anderson has 10% of nothing because they owned the majority interest in the company and they could do what they wanted. And suddenly one day, People tune in Georgia Championship Wrestling on Channel 17, and there's Freddie Miller introducing Vince McMahon Jr., who says, we got a great new program for yeah. you that you're going to see and you're going to love. And they, and, had, and they had offered Ole a job, I know, on two or three occasions. <clears throat> but he turned them down. Yeah, you know, and, and that, irascible that offer was not extended anymore after no, that. No, no. But I think, you know, that was a big turning point. It was a big adjustment for the fans in in georgia i know a lot of the people comment when i talk to them about the past and they remember that day like it was just yesterday yeah and that was a uh, like 20 of your family members died well it, it it was like all of a sudden you tuned in to see gun smoke and there was a new sheriff yeah, that's right. it, it just it, it i can't even I, that is a dated reference well fuck i'm old um i can't I can't express every people today they see wrestling change every two weeks and, and there's people all over the place mm -hmm. and there's no real shocking thing anymore but this was the most shocking thing that had ever happened on mainstream wrestling television all of a sudden and the fans that did the closest thing to riot that fans do when they're calling from home they're writing letters they're calling the station yeah. in droves where's our Gordon Soley wrestling what is this shit because the WWF style didn't fly in oh, Georgia no. And they were, they were showing clips from the Boston Garden or Madison Square Garden or whatever. It wasn't a studio show. There was no, no Gordon Soley. Yeah. They didn't like the style. They knew some of the names, but it just didn't work. And Turner had been told by Vince that he was going to get a studio show just with a different promotion. And all of a sudden, he's not. And Vince made a half-hearted attempt at it. But that's when he relinquished and gave Ole 
an early Saturday morning slot. And then because he'd known Watts from years ago, he put Mid-South Wrestling on Sunday afternoon. So now it, on one station in Atlanta for a brief period of time, maybe six months, you had Georgia Wrestling, the new company that only formed on Saturday morning, mm -hmm. two hours of WWF on Saturday night, and Mid-South Wrestling on Sunday afternoon. And Mid-South Wrestling that had never been seen nationally was beating them all in the ratings. Yeah. And that's when Watts was going to go in partnership with, with Turner when... Jimmy Crockett appeared. Uh, do you remember, where were you when, when you heard that Crockett had bought the time slot? I was in Dallas because I, I instantly, I was watching. I was probably overseas, to be yeah. honest with you. Uh, that all, that, that era for me was just a blur. Uh, you're absolutely right. The fans and some of the boys had no idea what was going on. Yeah. You couldn't keep this story or that story or where are they going or what are they doing? And it's just, Blurry. Turner was going to, he was going to force Vince off the station yeah. because he didn't like the program and it wasn't performing and it was not what he was in the business for because Vince had bought the company, but the company was not really guaranteed the time slot unless it performed. Right. So they needed Turner. Barnett once again brokers the deal. He said, well, Jimmy Crockett will take it. So Barnett arranges for Crockett to pay Vince a million dollars in very early 1985, which Vince turns around and finances WrestleMania one with that he had overextended himself. Mm -hmm. And what was what was the comment that uh, you'll choke on that million? And it took about let's say 85. It took about three or four years, but he choked on it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and everybody thinks they've got the the golden secret for everything. You just you have to you have to wade through this. You know, Crockett's. I think probably thought they were going to take off and just take over the Georgia, old Georgia territory. And they had to step up because they had a lot of guys yeah. that were familiar faces to the fans. But you know, like you're right, Watts Watts did real well with that. I remember and 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 I will say that uh uh at the end of 84 just off of right before Crockett bought the time slot just off that early morning show, Oli was still trying to run the Omni and the Omni at the end of the year Last show in December of 1984 was down to a thousand people. Oh, so you had a town that had been the hottest hotbed of wrestling that was drawing when the Omni ran once and the City Auditorium ran three times, maybe 40,000 paid admissions per month. It was down to a thousand people. And, and I remember when we started working for Crockett and going into the Omni, and I'd waited so many years to work the Omni, and I went in, and it was. There was 8,000 people, or there was 9,000, or sometimes seven, and every once in a while a Starcade or whatever, it would be a, you know, a near sellout. But we never turned them away, never really filled everything up, and the people, it didn't have the feel that I remembered when I had gone to see the matches there. They, they felt like their feelings had been hurt, well, and they just couldn't get all the way into it anymore. When it was going at the hottest, if you went in and it wasn't at least over three-quarters full. Yeah. Barnett was upset and somebody was going to get fired. Well, as we've seen, when Jim Barnett gets upset, yeah. shit takes place. And you just took for granted. I mean, you build it up for three weeks, you're going in there and it's going to blow off. Yeah. To see, I, I never saw it at a thousand, thank God. I would have been really disappointed. Oh, God, well, you should, when, uh, when Turner Broadcasting finally bought, ended up with the whole thing, you, you've seen it at Ooh. less than a thousand. You could shoot deer in the balcony. Oh, my God. It was brutal, but it, that's... 
That, in, in one way, it was the death of one of the classic wrestling territories, and in another way, it was the start of the only war maybe that ever beat the war of 72 to 74, the Monday Night Wars. Mm -hmm. Because the, what formed Atlanta wrestling really was, it was, there was three different generations. There was the, the old Atlanta wrestling, there was the Georgia Championship wrestling heyday between 74 and 84, and yeah. then there was the Crockett years and the Monday Night Wars that followed in WCW. So Atlanta, if it hadn't been for the city of Atlanta, wrestling history would have been significantly different. And very, very much changed, yeah. And it's sad. I mean, it's sad that the, the WCW never took off and, and sustained like it should have. You got Channel 17 for God's sake. They had sake. all the tools. They had all yeah. the tools. It was the loose nut behind the wheel yeah. that caused the whole thing to fall apart. Sad. 1986, Bruno San Martino wrestles his last ever match at Madison Square Garden. Teamed up with Tito Santana, they defeated Adrian Adonis and Macho Man Randy Savage in a steel cage. Bruno wrestled a couple of additional matches for the WWF after this, but as far as the Garden goes, this was the last ever Garden match that he wrestled. Same week in 86, handsome Harley Race becomes King Harley Race. Harley Race defeats Pedro Morales in the finals to win the 1986 King of the Ring tournament. 1987, Jim Crockett Promotions has an event at the Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. Wasn't a pay-per-view, but two matches that came out of this people will always remember, especially the segment that followed on World Championship Wrestling with Ric Flair. <laughs> but first, some match results. Kendall Windham over Thunderfoot number one. Thunderfoot number two loses to Nelson Royale. The Mod Squad over Lasertron and Jimmy Valiant. Michael P.S. Hayes and Buddy Roberts fought Ivan Koloff and Mandy Fernandez to a draw. Ole Anderson over Barbarian. Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, they defeat the NWA Tag Champs, Ricky Morton and Robert Kipson, but by DQ, so the belts did not change hands. Lex Luger wins the United States Championship, defeating Nikita Koloff in a steel cage. And the main event, Ric Flair, who was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion at the time, he defeats Jimmy Garvin with Precious in his corner. Not only to retain the belt, but also, there was a stipulation that if Ric Flair won, he would win the opportunity to go on a date with Precious. Now, if anybody remembers the storyline, Ric Flair would ultimately go on that date, thought he was going to be with Precious, was all psyched up, thought he was going to have some uh, late night fun, if you know what I mean. And instead, it was Ronnie Garvin, dressed up as Precious, who attacked Ric Flair, and that would set up the feud. But right after this win on World Championship Wrestling, Ric Flair was so excited that he was going to have a date with Precious that J.J. Dillon brought out a mannequin. And the mannequin had lingerie. You could actually see the pink little nipples going through the outfit. And Ric Flair on World Championship Wrestling proceeded a few times to make out with the mannequin. No tongue or anything like that, but it was a very memorable segment. I wonder if how many of you out there ever saw it. I put a little screenshot on a synopsis for this week. Same week, the Ultimate Warrior still known as the Dingo Warrior, makes his WWF TV debut. Now, I've always wanted to see this match, even though it's, you know, nothing special from what I have read. But still, for historical purposes, I thought it'd be pretty cool to see. Uh, we did not get to see 
the Ultimate Warriors TV debut in the United States. It only aired overseas. The international version of Wrestling Challenge, and I tell you, sooner or later, I think this footage is going to pop up because on YouTube, there are quite a few international versions of Wrestling Challenge. He defeated Frenchie Martin, and the interesting thing about it And we talked about that last year. Frenchie Martin wrestled the Ultimate Warrior, I think, in his Madison Square Garden debut. And Frenchie Martin got injured in that match. Frenchie Martin has done interviews, and we played some highlights last year. But Ultimate Warrior actually had a few different matches with Frenchie Martin. It seemed like Frenchie was the go-to guy to take the bumps for the Ultimate Warrior. But this week in 87, he was still known Uh, As the Dingo Warrior, he was announced as the Dingo Warrior, hailing from Queens, New York. Wrapping up 1987, the UWF promotion, they had a TV taping in Oklahoma City, and Dr. Death Steve Williams, with Dusty Rhodes in his corner, uh, defeated Big Bubba Rogers, who was the UWF heavyweight champion at the time, to win the belt, and I believe Steve Williams was the last ever uh, holder of the UWF Heavyweight Championship. 1988, Jim Crockett Promotions presents the Great American Bash, 88, The Price for Freedom. That took place from Baltimore, Maryland. And Dark Match, Rick Steiner and Dick Murdoch defeated Tim Horner and Kendall Windham. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard fought Nikita Koloff and Sting to a 20-minute time limit draw for the NWA Tag Titles, so the belts did not change hands. The Midnight Express over the Fantastics to win the NWA United States Tag Titles. During that match, Jim Cornette was suspended above the ring in a cage. You had the Road Warriors, Dr. Death Steve Williams, Jimmy Garvin, and Ronnie Garvin defeat Kevin Sullivan, Al Perez, Mike Rotunda, and the Russian Assassin, along with Ivan Koloff in a Tower of Doom match. Barry Windham over Dusty Rhodes to retain the NWA United States Championship. Ric Flair defeats Lex Luger by referee stoppage to retain the NWA heavyweight title. This had a lot of controversy because Lex Luger was about to win the belt. The crowd was going crazy for Luger to win this title. You know, I know over the years, people, you know, they have sympathy, you know, a lot of sympathy for Luger now because of his health. But, you know, before the tragedy with Miss Elizabeth, a lot of people could not stand Luger, said he never could wrestle great. You know, the whole Lex Express was a waste, blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't because he didn't win the belt. They just felt he shouldn't have been in that position. Look at old NWA Lex Luger. Not only did he actually compete pretty damn good, but the crowd fucking would were really over with this guy. He was about to win the belt. Had Ric Flair in the torture rack but was bleeding like a pig, and the referee had to stop the match because the Maryland State Athletic Commission felt that Lex Luger could not continue. Yeah, it was really a dumb finish, to be honest with you. Come on, he's got the torture rack on flair, but because he's bleeding, the referee stops it. Uh, I know we've had a lot of dusty finishes and a lot of controversial finishes over the years. That, I thought, was a little bit over the top. That would felt like more something more AWA would do, if you if you ask me. Nineteen ninety one, WCW has a Great American Bash from Baltimore. Uh, this was their first pay per view, their first main card without Ric Flair in WCW. Remember, Ric Flair just had left 
With the NWA title still in hand, he would ultimately sign with the WWF and he would come in as the real world champion. Well, the fans were just irate. All throughout the night, we want flair, we want flair. They would not get flair. Uh, some people have said over the years that the wrestlers didn't put on a full effort and blah, 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 blah. I watched the Great American Bash. You know, the wrestlers put in a decent effort. It's just that the matches just didn't click in a lot of ways. But here's the match results from that night. Maybe one of the worst Great American Bash cards of all time. Junkyard Dog over Black Bart. In a capture the flag scaffold match, PN News and Bobby Eaton over Steve Austin and Terrence, Terrence Taylor. The Diamond Stud with DDP in his corner over Tom Zink. Ron Simmons over Oz with Merlin the Wizard in his corner. Richard Morton over Robert Gibson. Dustin Rhodes and the Young Pistols of Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong over the Fabulous Freebirds. Um, the Yellow Dog over Johnny B. Bed. Big Josh over Black Blood. El Gigante, or some people say Gigante, over the one-man gang. Nikita Koloff over Sting in his Russian chain match for the vacant WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Because remember, Ric Flair was gone. He was still recognized as the NWA champion, but no longer recognized as the WCW Heavyweight Champion. Lex Luger over Barry Windham. And the steel cage match, Rick Steiner over Arn Anderson and Paul E. Dangerously. 92, Great American Bash from Albany, Georgia. This was uh, basically a, a card to crown newly um, NWA Tag Team Champions. The NWA Tag Team Championship was vacated when the original versions of the title was combined to create the WCW World Tag Team Championship in, in 91. So they basically tried to create new NWA tag champs they would have the belts together and they would defend it that way until the fall of 1993 when wcw officially pulled out of the nwa but the tournament results from that night first the dark match the super invader over muck bagwell tag tournament quarterfinal match nikita koloff and ricky steamboat over jushin dunnelager and brian pillman this car actually wasn't a bad one especially when you think of the year 1992 you also had Hiroshi Hase and Shinya Hashimoto over Jimmy Garvin and Michael P.S. Hayes. You had Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham over Steve Austin and Ravishing Rick Rude. The semifinal match, Terry Bam Bam Gordy and Steve Williams over Nikita Koloff and Ricky Steamboat. Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham over Hiroshi Hase and Shinya Hashimoto. The tournament final, you had Terry Gordy and Steve Williams, Doc and Gordy, Doc and Gordy. They defeated Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham to win the NWA World Tag Team titles. And for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, Vader defeats Sting to, to win his first WCW Heavyweight Championship. Also in 92, two things went down, memorable in the WWF. First, uh, Vince McMahon announces to his uh, employees, staff, and bodybuilders in the World Bodybuilding Federation that uh, they were going under, that the WBF was going to be no more. It cost about 10 to $15 million on a venture. You know, it was what it was. You know, I had never liked it. I was never into these bodybuilding tournaments. And it's not because I wasn't a bodybuilder. I'm sure if I was, you know, really working out at that time, maybe I'd be more into bodybuilding, but I don't know, just never caught on. But also that same week, Ric Flair, who is now in WWF, 
made his first appearance as a WWF wrestler in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage was the WWF champion at the time. Um, and this is how WWE basically handled it. Ric Flair actually defeated Savage that night to win the belt. Crowd went crazy, but because it was revealed that Ric Flair used brass knucks to win the match, the decision was reversed. Uh, Macho Man um, would retain the title. Savage was booed out of the building. I don't think anybody could blame him. I think WWF and Savage and everyone else expected that. 1994, and believe me, we're getting in couple of minutes we're going to start some more audio clips and once we start we ain't stopping for the rest of the night very important moments are about to go down but this week in 94 hulk hogan takes the stand in the steroid trial against vince mcmahon and you know look hulk hogan everybody knew they had taken steroids over the years but he never admitted it remember arsenio hall and unfortunately you know, even though Terry Bollea would take the stand in the Vince McMahon steroid try on, remember, Hulk Hogan was now signed with WCW. In about a week or two later, maybe not even that long, he would make his in-ring debut for WCW and he would win the heavyweight championship defeating Ric Flair. So picture the momentum of Hulk Hogan signing with WCW, about to have his first match, and he appears uh, in court in New York City or Long Island, in the uh, steroid trial against Vince McMahon. Now, the interesting thing about it is a couple of days early, he was on Regis and Kathy Lee. And, you know, they were really, Regis and Hulk Hogan were great friends. And Hogan and Regis would always have a ball on the show. And they were really trying to put over, you know, going to WCW and his upcoming TV show and all that other shit that was going down. And then a couple of days later, Hogan appears at the steroid trial and admits under testimony that he had taken steroids for years. 12 years, 13 years. I don't remember exactly how many years, but still... I mean, all the newspapers where the focus should have been about Vince McMahon on trial for steroid distribution, which as you read the case and you go on, you realize that, you know, Vince McMahon really should not have been on trial. Dr. Zahorian was really the one more than anything um, because basically everybody and their mother, there was no proof that Vince McMahon forced his, his wrestlers to take steroids. Did he turn a blind eye? Absolutely. Would he prefer his wrestlers to take steroids at that time? Absolutely. You know, you don't have to tell people sometimes what you want them to do, you know, and they'll know. I mean, you know when you're in a type of employment. I mean, we talked recently about the Saudi Arabia tour. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens did not want to go on a Saudi Arabia tour. It was more so he could spend time with his family. Think of the momentum that Kevin Owens was on, feuding with Kofi Kingston, leading up to this. But he didn't go to Saudi Arabia. Instead, Dolph Ziggler got that, you know, that role of feuding with Kofi. And, you know, Kevin Owens, for the next two months, for the most part, uh, just seemed to get jobbed out over and over and over and over again. Now, you know, obviously it wasn't going to last forever because Kevin Owens is a big-time star and WWE is not going to be stupid enough to misuse him. But it just felt that it was almost punishment. Even though WWE said, hey, it's optional, wink, wink. So, still, big news this week. Hulk Hogan reveals on the testimony what we already knew that he had been taking steroids for years and years and years. 
1995 ECW has Heat Wave 95 from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Mikey Whipwreck over Mike Norman. Tony Stetson and Donnie Allen over Raven and Stevie Richards. That was my count out. I know some people are going hey, to beat him. Count out. Hack Myers over Big Foul Puccio. Tommy Dreamer and the Pitbulls over Raven Dudley Duddy. Dudley Dudley and Snot Dudley. Was that the match where Dudley Dudley fucking broke his hip? I don't remember. Was was it Dudley Dudley or Snot? I think it was Dudley Dudley. One of them got their hip. I, they really fucked up his hip and he was done. Dean Malenko and Two Cold Scorpio over Eddie Guerrero and Taz. That was a fun match. The Sandman over Axel Rotten in the barbed wire match to retain the ECW Heavyweight title. Luna Vachon over Stevie Richards. The Gangsters over the Public Enemy in a steel cage match. And I tell you, it was a fun card. I, 1995 is one of my favorite years of all time in ECW. Love 95. Same week in Tokyo, Japan. Wild Pegasus. Oh, excuse me. Wild Pegasus. I can't do it. Chris Benoit, under the mask, defeats Shinjiro, Shinjiro Tani to win the Best of the Super Juniors tournament. This was a pretty big deal, man. At the time, you know, Chris Benoit was well-known. He had already been a champion in WWF, you know, a couple of years earlier. And there was a lot of rumors that he might go to WWF in 95. Some magazines actually covered the couple of matches that he had. He would ultimately go to WCW. Same week, Jack Tunney, gone from the WWF. Goodbye. Never liked his on-air character. Drizzling shits. Drizzling shits. 1996, Heat Wave 96 from the ECW Arena. And people always point out that NBC, Insider Edition, American Journal, they were all there on hand to film clips because ECW started to get some mainstream press. You know, this hardcore extreme wrestling. You know, think of the time period. Think of Ultimate Fighting. And it was, it was a pretty big deal at that time. Being a hardcore ECW fan almost since day one, I fucking loved it. I thought it was fabulous. Sadly, because of the mass transit incident, it really, you know, fucked things up and put it in jeopardy for a little while with their first ever pay-per-view. But the match results from that night, this was a wild event. The Gangsters over the Samoan Gangster Party by referee stoppage. Mikey Whipwreck over Paul Loria, the giant Paul Loria. The Eliminators over Mikey Whipwreck and Sabu to retain the tag titles. Tarzan Goto over Axel Rotten. Shane Douglas defeats Pitbull number two, Chris Jericho, and Two Cold Scorpio to win the ECW World TV title. Um, now, two things. That was the last match for Chris Jericho, I believe, in the ECW arena. Might have been the last match. No, I think he had one more after this. But I think that was the night that Francine turned on Pitbull number two. She pulled the leather uh, skirt down to reveal franchise. Anybody remember that? I mean, look, I am I could be wrong with the event, but I'm pretty certain that I'm not. Kind of remember that vividly. Luis Piccoli over at Puerto Rico. Babu. Sabu over Luis Piccoli. Terry Gordy, the Sandman, and Tommy Dreamer over primetime Brian Lee. Raven and Stevie Richards in a rage in a cage match. The stipulation that... Ravens ECW Championship would change hands if anybody pinned Stevie Richards. But Sandman ended up pinning Raven, so the championship did not change hands. Think about that for a minute. 
Raven's title was on the line. If you pin Raven, you didn't win the belt. But if you pin Stevie, you'd win the belt. I know the idea was to make the odds worse because Stevie Richards was much easier to beat than Raven at the time. Not every stipulation in ECW was spectacular, everybody. 1997. Now we start getting to the audio. At this time, Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels were the WWF Tag Team Champions, but they could not get along, would not get along, and Shawn Michaels would not defend that belt with Austin. So the belts were sort of vacated. Steve Austin didn't have a partner. So this week on Raw in 97, they had a tag team title match for the quote-unquote vacant WWF Tag Titles. It was Owen Hart and the British Bulldog taking on Steve Austin and a partner that we would uh, find out later would uh, be in Austin's corner. And that person ended up making, I guess you could call it, his debut in the WWF. Enjoy. Snake that he is. 
taking on two individuals. No! One WWF superstar can take on two the caliber of the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Both men individual champions, and I would suppose in just a few moments, tag team champions. Whoever Stone Cold's partner is, well, I don't know it. Must have been a double cross or somebody got sick. Austin coming away at the British Bulldog who has gained legendary status in the world. Oh, watch this. Referee diverted. Owen Hart along with Stone Cold. Across the rail. That's Bulldog. No. Austin definitely needs a partner. No doubt about that. Wait a minute, we're told. We're told. Austin's partner has arrived. What? What is this? Austin's partner. That's him. We'll take this break. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Who is Stay it? with us. He's on his way, that's all we know. It's a long walk. Don't coach Steve Austin's partner is back on his way. He can get first out. What's the matter? Don't you recognize me? 
Now I don't blame you for not teaming up with that mutilated freak mankind, but you never said nothing about teaming up with the hippest cat in the land. Steve-O, baby, it's me, Dude Love, and I am coming to save the day. Oh, have mercy.
the same week, we had the debut of the Nitro Girls. Now, if you read a lot of history sites, especially the ones that just cut and paste each other's shit, you know, they put down the Nitro Girls, saying that the reaction was mostly negative and blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you something. Watch the Nitro Girls' first appearance on Nitro. It wasn't bad, you know, and the music was kind of eh. You know, I, I was into techno, and this is 97, you know, so we're still in that era. But, um, you know, and yeah, they were wearing pants, but, you know, they're, they're certain leg movements and just the sexiness of them. I thought the fucking crowd ate it up. I don't know where these people fucking came up with that it, that it was mostly negative. Watch it. It's about five minutes long. I thought they did a great job. You know, they weren't, you know, solid gold dancers. But I thought they did good. I thought it was well-received. In wrapping up 97, WCW had Bash at the Beach in Daytona Beach, Florida. We had Mortis and Wrath over Glacier and Ernest Miller. For the WCW Cruiserweight Championship, Chris Jericho retains, defeating the ultimate dragon. The Steiner Brothers over the great Muta and Masahiro Chono. Juventud Guerrera, Hector Garza, Lismark Jr. Uh, defeat La Parker, Psychosis, and Volano number four. In a retirement match, Chris Benoit defeats the Test Master, Kevin Sullivan. For the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship, Jeff Jarrett retains, defeating Steve Mongo McMichael. Kind of blah match. Scott Hall and Randy Savage over Diamond Dallas Page and Kurt Hennig. Roddy Piper over Ric Flair. And Lex Luger and the Giant defeat Hollywood, Hulk Hogan, and Dennis Rodman. That's not the only time you get to hear Dennis Rodman on this show, by the way. And I should also mention that this was Kern Hennig's WCW debut. Because Diamond Dallas Page's partner was not advertised. It was a mystery partner. We didn't know who DDP was going to team up with to take on Randy Savage and Scott Hall. And it ended up being Kurt Hennig. 1998, WCW has the L.A. Melee uh, from Inglewood, California. This was one of their paper listens. This might have been the last one, actually. And, you know, look, they, they sold out the arena with 15,000 people. You know, a lot of younger fans of today look back at that time and think, you know, listening to wrestling <laughs> instead of watching it is goofy. It wasn't goofy, man. I watched the uh, pay-per-views at the time, and I also enjoyed being able to listen to some events that I didn't have the opportunity to see on camera. They weren't going to film these, so why not have a little audio and hear an extra show or two that you wouldn't get any other opportunity to see? There was no network at the time. You know, for five bucks, it's not bad. Anyway, match results from that night, Booker T over Finley, Eddie Guerrero over Chavo. And we'll get to Chavo in a moment. Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, and Ciclope over Damian Volano number four and Volano number five. You had the Ultimo Dragon, no longer Ultimate, over Dean Malenko. Chris Jericho, who was the WCW Cruiserweight Champion at the time, defeats Rey Mysterio Jr. Conan over Vincent, Virgil. Kevin Nash and Lex Luger over Bret Hart and the Giant. Goldberg over Kurt Hennig to retain the WCW Heavyweight title. And the main event, Sting over Hollywood Hulk Hogan in a steel cage match. Now, that same week, might have even been the next day or two days later, we had WCW Bash at the Beach. And, 
Yeah, look, this event will always be remembered for the match between Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman uh, over Diamond Dallas Page and Carl Malone. This got major press up and down, uh, you know, every state overseas. It got massive press. Rodman and Malone were still playing basketball. And they were also, you know, fighting each other, you know, in the ring. Sure, people that were pure NBA fans that did not like wrestling thought this was a joke. I thought Karl Malone did an unbelievable performance in his match. Dennis Rodman did not embarrass himself either. Dennis Rodman was extremely winded after the match was over. I remember that. But I liked it. I thought it was great. I had no problem with it at all. This was one of those matches where you had athletes that weren't wrestlers compete and kick it out of the park. But we're going to, instead of sharing the highlights of that match on this episode, we're going to share highlights from a different match. A match you probably would not ever think would be on this show. But just to show you an example of horrible stipulations and storylines, we'll get it to in in a moment. And you can't blame it on Russo. He wasn't there at the time. So anyway, Bash the Beach, San Diego, California. Dark match, Milano number four and five over Damian and Cyclope. You had Raven in a Ravens rules match. Defeat, Saturn. Hoovy over Kidman. Conan over Disco Inferno. The Giant over Kevin Green. In an ODQ match for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship, Rey Mysterio Jr. defeats Chris Jericho to win the belt. For the World TV Championship, Booker T retains, defeating Bret Hart. Goldberg retains the WCW Heavyweight Championship, defeating Kern Hennig. Again, the main event, Hollywood Hogan and Dennis Rodman over Diamond Dallas Page and Carl Malone. But we also had uh, uh, two matches earlier involving Chavo Guerrero Jr. First, he was supposed to take on Stevie Ray. And then following that, he was supposed to wrestle Uncle Eddie, Eddie Guerrero, in a hair versus hair match. I want to share with you what went down in both of those matches. First, you have Stevie Ray versus Chavito, and then you have Chavito versus Eddie Guerrero in a hair versus hair match. All right. Well, we talked about earlier that this would be, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, here comes Captain Cupcake. One of two matches that Chavo Jr. needed tonight. Chavo's got a... uh, Super Soaker or a, a water pistol, and he's drenching the crowd here in, in uh, San Diego. Yeah, he is not. But the interview doesn't seem to bother you, huh? That doesn't bother me. I mean, uh, I just seen interviews like that for a long, not necessarily on anybody that old, but. You know, we talked about that important hair match that he has with Uncle Eddie later tonight. This matchup against Stevie Ray, well, he's giving away an easy, what would you say, four or five inches in height, maybe 75 pounds in weight. Not exactly what you would call an easy tune-up match for later on. Well, Stevie Ray is never a tune-up for anybody. No, I tell you what, Chavo uh, is in trouble. And Eddie has arrived. Eddie, the barber. The referee calls the bell as Eddie walks out. And I understand that that hair versus hair match is going to be at the conclusion of this matchup. I, have to I dedicate to this match to my favorite wrestler, Eddie Guerrero. 
This is for you, little trooper. And he added ringside, the match dedicated to him. And you can just see the, uh, the look on Stevie Ray's face. He's in the middle of something that's very bizarre, but uh, he's quite an athlete. He's going to go out of here. Obviously, he has the height, weight, power advantage over Chavo, who needs to use the quickness, and that's what he's doing here. That's really the only advantage that he would have in this matchup. You know, a lot of people ask me, just how far gone is Chavo Guerrero Jr.? How far gone is he, Mike? You would know. Now, remember, this is the nut that actually challenged Goldberg to a match, and that certainly wasn't a pretty sight. No, well, it's safe to say he may be the head cashew. Yeah, I believe so. I think what he's doing right now, the only thing he's doing successfully right now in the ring is making Stevie Ray matter and matter. Why would you want to do that? I, do, I don't know. I mean, how many times have we said that when it relates Kick to Chavo Let's just shake the hand of it. Shaking that. What's going on here? I mean, Stevie Ray. What are you doing? Stevie Ray trying to pull away, and the referee's calling for the foul. What's going on here? What happened? As a result of a submission, Stevie Ray. Chavo reached for the hand of Stevie Ray, and then went down to his knees. It was very apparent that Stevie Ray was trying to pull the hand away from Chavo. And then Chavo told the referee, that's it, Eddie, I submit. That was for you, Eddie. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. I guess we're wrestling now, right? Me uh, and you, Eddie. He saved himself for Eddie is what he did. That's exactly what he did, Brain. He saved himself for Eddie. You are right again. He wants to get a good haircut today. This was not a bad move at all. Yeah, maybe he's not as stupid and as disturbed as we thought. Sometimes uh, I have to be. Uh, Stevie Ray will get a win by submission. Uh, it's a win that he does not really want, but he's going to get and get ushered out as well. And now we are going to have a hair versus hair match. And Chavo, every bit as fresh as he was when he first walked in, and that makes Uncle Eddie very, very mad. When's the last time you saw at a pay-per-view or a wrestling match where a man won the match with a submission hold and a handshake? Never before. Never before. But how many times have we said never before this year? Well, I saw a wrestler once, Keith the Maniac Mitchell, surrendered to bring a match like that once. Right. It was a mixed tag match with a girl wrestler. It was Keith the Madman Mitchell or something like that. I don't know anything. The bell sounds. Here we go. Well, the significance of this hair match to the Guerreros, I think, transcends what fans of American pro wrestling can relate to. In the world of Lucha Libre Mexican wrestling, the Guerrero family, well, they've been legendary since the 1940s. And in the Mexican culture, the hair match is the ultimate way to settle a long-standing rivalry. That's exactly That's what he's doing. That's the shortcut he's taking. That's the shortcut. Here, Eddie, 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 Eddie. He's turned into a chihuahua is what he's turned into here. You realize the whole Guerrero family is at home right now watching this? <laughs> no. Hoping that the guy doesn't come and repo the set before the match is over? <laughs> oh, Brain, please leave that great family alone. And you know, this is a rarity. You talked about never seeing something before. Uh -huh. To my knowledge, there has never been a hair match involving two close family members like this. Remember, despite being uncle and nephew, they actually grew up like brothers. Just two years separates them in age. Eddie has a strong experience edge, however. Ten years in the ring to just two for Chavo Jr. Eddie wants to show referee Charles Robinson the bite marks, and he doesn't really want to see him. Neither do we. But nevertheless, they obviously were pretty deep. 
I like taking a bite out of crime, isn't it? Oh, this is, I mean, you know, it, it goes back to this, and, and I really think that we touched on something that, uh, that Chavo is not as nuts as we at first think. Well, he's a lot smarter than I thought. I think he may be. I mean, let, let's think about Chavo before he flipped, and then after he flipped. Who was in charge in this uh, dispute they had? Eddie was in charge. Chavo was very, very upset, very unhappy. As soon as Chavo took this course, took this line of attack, if it is that, Chavo's the one on the offense. Chavo's the one having a good time. Chavo's the one in charge. Eddie now is the one who has snapped in his own way. He's gotten very, very mad and angry. But don't forget, this could be a very hair-raising experience for Chavo. Tony, you make a great point. Eddie created that monster that we see in Chavo. I think we all question Eddie's motives. While many of us may remain skeptical, Chavo has shown market improvement as a wrestler, even if he did lose his mind. So Eddie on the knees trying to big Chavo off, and Chavo knows better than that. Or does he? Very reluctant. Oh, yeah! You're done, Eddie knows better than that. Hello, Uncle. And now Eddie fires back on Chavo Jr., reverses him into the ring. He sent him airborne with a back body drop. And referee Charles Robinson is right in the middle. And Eddie is right back to the rear end. Hand trying to keep Chavo off. Well, that hurts. Have you ever been bitten on the buttocks? No, I have not. I guess you have. You're kidding. No, and I'm not going to go into this even further. Let's go back to the match. You sure have, you have. You, I have not. Stop it. Have you ever bitten? No, no, I don't, don't. Have you in a Would group you of shut up? Tony, uh, Tony, maybe. Tony, it's pay-per-view. Come clean. <laughs> hey, you're siding with the brain here. Let's get back to the match. Let you, me see. I'm here with a bunch of numbskulls trying to call a match. Here we go. How many times have we seen a, a hair versus hair match where literally they have to knock somebody out before the man will give up with so much on the line? I've never seen one. It, Never seen a hair versus hair no, match? No, never have. This is your first brain. Yes, it and, is. And we are seeing Eddie doing just that. By pulling the mats back from the ringside area, he's wanting to take Chavo, knock him right out here is what he wants to do. Trying to suplex, Chavo hooks down the blocking. Oh! Chavo suplexed him on the concrete. Oh, my! And he hit his side that time. He hit the shoulder. That could break a collarbone that could dislocate his shoulder. Eddie could be severely injured here. We talked earlier about how well these wrestlers would know each other. I think that was a prime example. Chavo able to counter with that suplex of his own out on the concrete. Chavo with teeth, jaw locked, teeth gritted. Grabs with both hands, pulls up Uncle Eddie with determination. Scoop slam. Fundamentally sound on that one. Enough to put him down. Let's see what Chavo's going to try here. Eddie, one step ahead, backed into the near side ropes, causing Chavo to straddle the turnbuckle pad. That's that extra eight years of experience right there, you see. I don't know if uh, Chavo's back can take this. It's a good point. Eddie may try to superplex him. It's right Not only did he superplex him, it was very apparent that they both hit very hard. Eddie and Chavo, I thought Chavo hit first, but Eddie is in a lot of pain as well. 
Eddie should give him another suplex and then a duplex. A what? It's two suplexes. He knows nothing. Oh, boy. Both men trying to get back up again. What a hard-fought battle this has been. Up oh. and down. Again with authority. Now Chavo again will try it. This time he thinks that Eddie's down. Eddie is enough for a frog How splash. How about that? Uh, Eddie Guerrero special. A frog splash that missed because Eddie's knees found the mark. Again, the familiarity of the opponent comes into play. He was able to counter what is his own. Now look at this. He's going to try a tornado DDT. That's right out of Chavo Jr.'s playbook. I smell a trip to Floyd's. Well, it may be the tornado DDT. And he's going for the scissors, but he hasn't won the match yet. He has not won yet, and he's going for the scissors. That's dangerous. You're not kidding, it is. Charles Robinson reminding him that, hey, you've not won the match. He pulls the scissors away, and Eddie goes up top again. May try to follow up now with the... Oh, boy. Forget about that. And I think Eddie made a critical mistake by going to the scissors. I do, too, because I think he had him. Oh, boy. Chavo. See, he's wasting time now. He's going for the scissors. That's what he's doing, Chavo Jr. Be careful, referee. Then the referee reminding Chavo the same thing he reminded Eddie. Eddie inside cradle. One, two, three. Eddie Guerrero wins. Eddie Guerrero wins. But Chavo's got the scissors. Chavo is going to have his head shaved. You asked for it, Chavo. Now let's see if you're mad enough to take a haircut. You were mad enough to ask for it. By rules of the match, he's got to do it. Let's see how nuts he is now. The Clippers. Well, that's dangerous. Those Clippers. Eddie's got the Clippers. And by the rules of the match, Eddie can shave the man's head. We've got a barber chair for you there. Give him a magazine to read. You may need a booster chair for Eddie. Chavo's got to be the man to sit down. He's shaving his own head. <laughs> you like that? You like that? Come on, come on. Look, look, look. It's funny, huh? No, he is not. Nice. You're not kidding. Yeah. He is not. Nice. Try it. Try cut my hair. Come on, look at this. Watch this. You like that one? How about you want to race this one? Come on. Let's be twins. We'll be twins. Me and you. We'll be twins. Come on. We're Eddie, gonna... Eddie's leaving the scene. You, you better get out of there. That man is totally 100% nuts. He's taking his own hair off. Well, here's another first in our sport. We have seen, at least you and I have, Mike, many hair versus hair matches for the first time the loser was shaving his own head. And I don't blame Eddie. Get out of town. Get away from that man as far as you can. Look, look at the face of Eddie. It's the realization that Chavo... I love it. We can be twins next time. I'll get you, Eddie, and we'll be twins. At Pebble Beach. Well, I don't know why you don't want to cut my hair, Eddie. You won! What a cycle! He won, and he doesn't want to cut my hair. Wow. 
Chavo takes off a few strips. And a little bit on the side there as well. Wielding the, uh, the gun and walks away the loser. You know, I bet we could talk him into pulling his own teeth. Don't give him any ideas. No, please. Maybe he could take out his appendix. So many things a man could do with a couple of mirrors. You are witnessing the most, one of the most bizarre events that we've ever seen on a WCW NWO pay-per-view. Doesn't like the European look, huh? I used to have a Airedale with a haircut like that. I bet you I'm did. Seven years old. Look at this. He's going to stay there till he gets the job done, I guess. Might as well take the ears off, too. Chavo Jr. shaving his own head. And people in ringside are stunned. Just like that. <laughs> and then about two pounds of grilled cream. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, you had Chavito submit, even though Stevie Ray wasn't putting a submission move on him. Look, it was the storyline at the time. And then Chavito proceeds to shave his own head and enjoy it following the loss in the hair versus hair match. You know, it was what it was. Wrapping up 1998, two things. First off, uh, maybe a little ahead of its time, at the time, WWF debuted a webcast on their website, WWF.com, called Code Red. I've been trying to find really good clips of it. Can't. I'm kind of pissed off that I did not record these when I heard them at the time because it was very adult-oriented. They have One time they advertised that Vince McMahon was going to be talking X-rated movies on there. Um, even though I don't think I would really want to know all that much about that with Vince, but it was odd. It was very adult-oriented at the time. Didn't last all that long. On the network, they edited out most of the plugs that they used to do on WWF.com with it. Um, but still... It was uh, interesting while it lasted. And uh, wrapping up 1998, a little random promo. I think it might have been a little preview as far as what was going to go down in the very near future with Sable. But this week in 98, Vince McMahon cut the following promo on Sable. I've dealt with a lot of ingrates before that I've made superstars. I never thought you'd be one of them. Mark Merrill tricked you. You are no longer contractually here in the World Wrestling Federation. Who was the knight in shining armor that came to your rescue? I admit, from a PR standpoint, I brought you back because of your overwhelming popularity with WWF fans. I admit that. And let's face it, I do everything I can for WWF fans. However, people like you, especially in this town, are a dime a dozen. I could snap my fingers and have you replaced by any number of bimbos and airheads. 
you owe me, Sable. And when people like you owe me, I generally collect. However, your knight in shining armor will allow you to continue to be gainfully employed here in the World Wrestling Federation, at least for a little while longer. Just as long as you don't become an ungrateful bitch. 1999, WCW, I bash at the beach from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm going to share with you highlights of a match in a moment. Either you're going to love it, especially because of the commentary, or you may hate it. I like the match, to be honest. That's why I'm sharing it. First, the match results, dark match, C.G. Afi and Jeremy Lopez over Jamie Howard and Jet Jaguar. Ernest Miller over Disco Inferno. Rick Steiner retains the TV title over Van Hammer. You had David Flair retain the United States title, defeating Di Malenko, blah. Conan, Rey Mysterio Jr., Swall, and B.A. were the no-limit soldiers. They defeat the West Texas Rednecks in an elimination match. This was Kurt Henning, Bobby Duncan Jr., Barry Windham, and Kendall Windham. Handicap match for the WCW Tag Titles, the Jersey Triad of DDP, Canyon, and Bam Bam Bigelow. They retained the belts, defeating Perry Saturn and Chris Benoit. In a boxing match with Mills Lane, as a special guest referee, this was also blah. Buff Bagwell defeats Roddy Roddy Piper. In the main event, a tag team match for the WCW Heavyweight title. Yes, a tag team match. Randy Savage and Sid Vicious defeat Kevin Nash, who was the champion at the time, and Sting. And because Randy Savage was the one to pin Nash, Randy Savage was your WCW Heavyweight champion. Another match from that night. The infamous Hardcore Junkyard Invitational. The winner would get a trophy. How you won, you basically were in a junkyard with fire and weapons and car parts and actual cars. You would have to escape the junkyard, climb over the fence, and you won the trophy. Participants in this match included Cyclope, Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge, Public Enemy, Jerry Flynn, Hack, a.k.a. the Sandman, Horace Hogan, Hugh Morris, Brian Nobbs, LaParka, Silver King, Lord Stephen Regal, Squire Dave Taylor, Fit Finley, and Mikey Whipwreck. So here you go, the Hardcore Junkyard Invitational.
Now remember, the winner will be the first person to make it over the gate. The entrance of the junkyard. Look at the fire burning in the background there. Oh, I certainly hope that... I hope somebody gets hurt. And Jerry Flynn, it looked like an electrical wire stuck up yes. in the block of that engine, or what remains of that engine, of one of the junkyards. Meanwhile, a fight goes on in the center. There's Brian Nobbs up on top. Well, I'm not sure we can call this. Let's just watch it. That's uh, Silver King. Let's let you know the combatants. Oh. That it happened, and this is even more intense. 
This is this match, that match job, times 20. This isn't Mel's Diner, this isn't Arnold's. This there's, is tough. There's a tailpipe in the hands of La Parca, and he's whipping Brian Knobs with a Rocco Rock. Never hit a guy from behind with a tailpipe. No, I have not. I, I did it with a transmission once, but never a tailpipe. No one, not many people have. Once again, high above the the helicopter. The massacre. Of the man. Oh, look at this. He marks from one corner another oh. with an elbow drop on to Rocco Rush. With a hubcap, Dave Taylor whips him. Jerry Flynn whips him. Remember, Jimmy Hart's got members of first family. Piece of him. Who doesn't have a piece of a bumper? 
Once again, the fire burning bright, as you can see, not only on the inside, but look at that, uh, that line and wall of fire on the outside as well, making it even more difficult to get to the escape route. Evil Knievel wouldn't even involve himself in something like that. Look at this. Now, Dave Taylor not only is hooked into a... Your 150 pound hula hoop right there. Moments ago, we saw two men, Rocco Rock being one and Horace being the other. Oh, look at that. He was hit from behind, hit from the front hula hoop, hit him. He don't care. To the midsection he goes, goes. Knobs and now sees the exit way by the fire looks like he's going to stumble out there what's left of him no forget about it he went towards a car once again fit finley giving chase and he's got he opens the trunk of that impella this is not 75 in atlanta that's uh is that fit finley in the trunk look at this tony look at the size of his face oh, fit finley's in the trunk Wrapping up 1999 on Monday Night Raw, we learned that Minnesota Commoner at the time, Jesse Ventura, would return to the WWF and he would be the special guest referee for SummerSlam. 2000 WCW Bash at the Beach, Daytona Beach, Florida. Yes, it will always be known because of what went down with Hulk Hogan uh, wrestling Jeff Jarrett and then Vince Russo's promo that would, uh, would follow. We will share highlights. But the one moment that a lot of people uh, overlook from that night is the fact that Booker T 
would win the WCW Heavyweight Champion. He would only be the second black wrestler to, to be heavyweight champion at the time. If you want to look at the major federations, you know, Ron Simmons being the first. So anyway, match results before we get into the controversy. For the Cruiserweight title, Lieutenant Loco retains over Hoovy. For the WCW Hardcore Championship, Big Vito defeats Norman Smiley and Ralphus. Remember, he was supposed to take on um, Johnny the Bull, but he tore his asshole up. <laughs> Wedding gown match, which was honestly not good. Daphne defeats Miss Hancock. For the WCW Tag Titles, Chronic over the perfect event to win the belts. You had Canyon over Booker T. For the United States Championship, Mike Awesome defeats Scott Steiner, but by DQ, so the belt does not change hands. In the graveyard match, Vampiro defeats the Demon, who did not show up. Remember the whole debacle with WCW and the deal they had with Kiss? And, oh, man, it was god-awful. Now we get to what we thought was going to be one of the main events from that night. It was Jeff Jarrett, who was the WCW heavyweight champion at the time, defending the belt against Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Selfish Russo in the ring. One of the enemies, one of the many enemies, according to Jeff Jarrett, that Hulk Hogan has made in this sport. And it's time to take a walk down Sunset Boulevard straight to Hollywood. Well, I don't know why Mr. Russo's here, but I do know I like it. I wonder if Hogan has a plan. I wonder if Hogan has help lined up. I wonder if Hogan has a man the stature of Vince Russo looking out for him. I'd rather doubt it, because Hogan has burned a lot of bridges. He's fresh out of friends and wrestling. Well, if you believe Jeff Jarrett, Hogan will not have a plan. He will not have a backup. It will be, to point a phrase, mono on mono. Hogan and Jarrett for the World Heavyweight Championship. Is it ironic? Same venue, the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach. Same event, WCW and Bash of the Beach. At Bash of the Beach, Hulk Hogan transformed to Hollywood Hogan. The NWO was formed. Did we ever think that four years later, he'd be coming out in the same colors, being cheered by the fans, going after the WCW title once again? Jeff Jarrett being confident or 
is that Jeff Jarrett being scared out of his shorts knowing that he's got to step into the ring with Hollywood Hogan? Or is that Jeff Jarrett who knows something that Hollywood Hogan doesn't? That's good questions on both ends there. Whatever it is, scared, confident, it's a pretty darn good move to stay out, let Hogan have center stage, so to speak, let Hogan get it all out, all this animosity. We go back, though, a few weeks ago, the power, the jackhammer that was by Goldberg on the back of Hogan through the table, wondering if Hogan could even come back. We have not seen Hogan since that time. We all knew, Scott, I knew, you knew, as much as you won't admit, Madden, you knew that Hogan would make it back here to Bash of the Beach. No, no, I, I knew he'd never, ever miss a big pay-per-view payday. What's Jeff doing? Wait a minute. What's Jeff doing? Is it Halloween Havoc all over again? Russo's talking about Russo. What's he saying? Russo, I think, told Jared to lie down. What's going on? Look at Russo is holding the belt up like, do you want the belt? Pin the man. Jared's down. I don't know. And Hogan is a shot this way. What in the world? Jeff Jarrett. This can't be Jeff Jarrett, a man that grew up in this sport. What, the, is there, what is going on? He just threw the world title into Hogan. Hogan. What the hell? Now Russo. This is, I think we're deviating from the, from the norm here. Deviating from the script. I hesitate to say that, but what the hell is going on? I don't think Hogan had any idea what was going on. Yeah, Hogan. Man, I don't. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know if Hulk Hogan. Hogan has asked for another microphone. I think he wants to talk again. So fans, uh, we apologize. Uh, Russo, what a what a return. Is this your deal, Russo? Wow. That's why this company's in the damn shape it's in because of bullshit like this. This is real life. One, two, three. We've got a new world champion. I guess we do. Good God Almighty, are we going to have some splendid to do tomorrow? Look at, look at Hogan's face. Look at Jeff Jarrett just turned his back on Hulk Hogan and walked out. Vince Russo is gone. Hulk Hogan is the world champion, and this sport has never seen anything like this. I don't think Hogan saw this coming, that's for sure. There are fans, I'm going to tell you, what we have seen is a slice of real life. There's a, there's a meaning here. We do not know what to say or how to explain it to you, but there's something very deep in this. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not something they go over with us at the production meeting. No, there are swerves and there are swerves. We've all been swerved. So now Hogan walks out of the building. By the way, that was the last appearance ever in WCW for Hulk Hogan. He would go on to sue Vince Russo and WCW because of this. Well, here's Mr. Russo what now. The hell is next? Now I mean, what? I don't know. It's, Who's laying down in this one? It's, it's scheduled to be Nash Goldberg. We heard from Goldberg. Now maybe, maybe Russo can explain to the world what we have seen. And if he explains it, will we get it? Will if we understand it? Do we believe it? Look who it's coming from. I think we're going to hear the truth right now. I really do. we got to hear something. That's uh, not Vince Russo, the character. That's Vince Russo, the boss. Look at his face. Yeah, we know that face, don't we? Doesn't even know what to say. 
How do you explain what happened with Hogan and Jeff Jarrett? There's only one way for me to do this, and that's for me to tell it like it is. Here we go. All right, we need to hear this. Let's lay out. You know, three weeks ago, I left WCW. Here, fans. More real than I thought it would Three be tonight. Three weeks ago, I left WCW, and quite frankly, I didn't know if I was going to come back. And the reason I didn't know I was going to come back or not is because from day one, that I've been in WCW, I've done nothing, nothing but deal with the bullshit of the politics behind that curtain. The fact of the matter is, I've got a wife, I've got three kids at home, and I really don't need this shit. tell you the reason why I did come back. I came back for every one of the guys in that locker room that week in, week out, bust their ass for WCW. I came back for the Booker T's. I came back for every single guy in MIA. Jared. I came back to the guys behind that curtain that give a shit about this company. And let me tell you who doesn't give a shit about this company. That goddamn politician Hulk Hogan. Because let me tell you people what happened out here in this ring tonight. All day long, I'm playing politics with Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan tonight wants to play his creative control card. And to Hulk Hogan, that meant that tonight in the middle of this ring, when he knew it was bullshit, he beats Jeff Jarrett. Well, guess what? Hogan got his wish. Hogan got his belt and he went the hell home. And I promise everybody or else I'll go in the goddamn grave. You will never see that piece of shit again. Amen. But I also, I sat out there with the people just like you. And I know you paid good money to come here tonight and nobody is going to be ripped off here tonight. So Hulk Hogan now has the WCW belt. And Hulk, 
Let's refer to that as the Hulk Hogan Memorial Belt because from here on in, that belt don't mean shit! Because there will be a new WCW belt and as far as I'm concerned, that belt still belongs to the one guy that busts his ass week in and week out in the middle of this ring. And you people can love him and hate him, but he doesn't screw anybody back there, and that's Jeff Jarrett. Now hold on a minute. Jeff Jarrett is still the official WCW champion, but he will defend that title in this ring tonight. And he will defend that title against the son of a bitch back there who for 14 years has been busting his ass in WCW and can't get a goddamn break because of the Hulk Hogan. are the two reasons why I'm in this damn stinking business to begin with. So tonight in this ring, for the WCW title, two deserving guys, Jarrett and Booker, will compete for the WCW and they'll tear this goddamn out down. And Hogan, you big bald son of a bitch, kiss my ass! We have seen a man pour his heart out. This is great. If Russo was a woman, I'd marry him. <laughs> we've seen a man, regardless of what side you take, we've seen a man, Vince Russo, who we all know, we all have worked for for many months, who has busted his rear end for this company, pour his heart out for you in a shoot, that, as we uh, call it in the wrestling business. That was, that was not on the format. That was not in the production meeting. That was nowhere to be found anywhere until this. So now, Jeff Jarrett, is technically still the WCW heavyweight champion. Later on in the night, Jeff Jarrett would defend the belt against Booker T, and Booker T would actually win it. So we went off the air, at least with Booker T being heavyweight champ, but it was overlooked because of what went down with Hogan, Jarrett, and Vince Russo. Another match from that night, Goldberg defeats Kevin Nash. Now, sit back and relax. I'm going to spend a little time on this. Because I enjoyed it at the time. I know a lot of younger fans, it's very convenient to look back and say, WCW, ECW, the invasion pay-per-view sucked. Well, I always bring up the fact that the buy rate was almost 800,000. Not WrestleMania, invasion. We knew who the participants were on this pay-per-view. And yet, it still drew almost 800,000 buys. That's fucking insane. Please, if you were a wrestling fan at the time like me, of course, it was disappointing not to see Hogan, Nash, Flair, Goldberg, Sting. Of course, you had all the big names that were still getting paid from WCW, the AOL Time Warner deal. 
So, you know, yeah, we knew that. We knew they weren't coming in right now. But we still enjoyed the storyline. And this week in 01, the storyline took a major turn thanks to the god-awful match involving Booker T and Buff Bagwell that took place only a week earlier. Now, it was only one week later and Bagwell was already gone from the WWF and they had to make some dramatic changes. Number one, because of that match and how the fans were not receptive of it. I, I'll tell you, I look back on it, I'm a little surprised that they were just 86 the whole thing based on that one night. It feels like WWF may not have wanted to have this going at all and maybe that match was their way out because to just drop it that quickly didn't make sense, especially when you have a buy rate of almost 800000 Sure, they didn't know at the time they were going to get that big of a buy rate, but once they knew that, you thought that they would have actually you know, extended this or maybe even turned it into another brand. But anyway, now because uh, the WCW match was horrible and WWF was very much afraid of having only WCW versus WWF at Invasion, uh, we would learn that ECW would be added to the mix. And this week in 01 is how everything went down. Got three audio clips to share with you. Let's do this in order. First, we have what we will call the official invasion of ECW in the WWF. Awesome cannot connect. Chris Jericho does, and the lateral press got a near fall. I'm interested to see what happens when Jericho fights Lance Storm. These two guys were trained at Stu Hart's Dungeon together, and they broke in in Japan together. They were known as the Thrill Seekers. Great tag team at one time with Jericho and Storm. That was many moons ago. And the first punch is thrown by Jericho against his all-time tag team partner, Lance Storm. What a shot there by Mike Awesome, almost beheading Y2J, Chris Jericho, and now Jericho forced back into the WCW corner. This is the second ever interpromotional matchup. WWF versus WCW. The first day that Kurt Angle Booker team match we saw just a few moments ago. I'm impressed with how Y2J is doing against Storm. Storm is a phenomenal athlete, perhaps the best athlete in WCW. Can't argue that point, that's for sure. And go back a long way to the origins of their professional career in sports entertainment. And a shot from the outside, Mike Awesome with a knee to the kidneys. And, and Jericho sidestepping. Lance Storm takes him down. But that modified bulldog does Jericho. But Awesome retaliates. No doubt. Mike Awesome is a physical, physical individual. I can tell you that firsthand knowledge. And Lance Storm. Now Jericho seemingly isolated here. The big red machine, the Monster King, on the outside. Smart strategy, like them or not, for WCW's Storm and Awesome. What a credit to Shane McMahon that he has Awesome and Storm under the WCW umbrella. And what a finish and a sharp kick. Right to the face of Chris Jericho. And Awesome, the elbow, louder press, and he's got under your Now a lot of bad blood between Awesome and Jericho, too. Jericho, Jericho being hammered, and the Y2J tits. 
here in the Phillips Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. Ringing for the arena moments ago as Lance Storm gets the tag. A lot of tags from Storm and Awesome here. What a history-making match we are witnessing as Storm. Storm misses, and here comes White Two Jack. Well scouted by Landstorm, got his knees up. He drove them deep into the lower abdomen of Y2J. And good tag team strategy. Storm pulling Y2J to the WCW corner. And now Mike Awesome comes in and Awesome likes to dictate the pace. This is a very powerful, powerful man. And now Awesome using all of his weight, leaning down on Jericho, making it difficult for Y2J to breathe. Well, I'll tell you what, after... Don't you love having him as a color commentator? Absolutely. First, a 10 lock by Awesome, but the key thing is that Jericho is in the WCW part of the ring. Jericho fighting back up. We know his, his fighting competitive spirit. He's grown to respect that since Jericho came to the WWF from WCW. Jericho's floors, but Nick Tudor! Fell in the belly throw. That was a, a modified suplex, almost a critical Roman throw by the powerful Mike Austin. And Austin now hooking the leg, got the cover, and Jericho able to get a shoulder up before Kane had to throw that big size 15 in the face of Austin. And now Awesome tags in Landstorm, who's from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Double team by WCW's Awesome and Storm, knocking down Y2J. And Y2J being battered and fried here, here in the south, here in the deep south of Atlanta, Georgia. Storm has held titles in Japan, he held titles in ECW, he held titles in WCW. This is a gifted man! I send the very by. Y2J, Chris Jericho. Jericho now has Kane, his partner, within the, the closest reach that he has been in in the last several moments here. Jericho could tag Kane, and that could turn this match entirely around. Awesome gets the tag, and so does Kane. Kane blocking the right hand, and the big red machine now. Looking to open up on all cylinders, on two of the men. That double team, the five-on-one attack of his brother, The Undertaker. And oh, my, what an elevation as we went off the air on SmackDown last Thursday night on UP. Well, that Kane's got the power. Just under seven feet tall, 325. And he's using it all here. Kane, power slam. Mike Austin. And now Kane. Gonna kind of put this away. Knocked to the outside. And now Storm and Austin able to double team the big red machine. Knocked down by Austin. Walls of Jericho! Walls of Jericho! Jericho took the walls. And wait a minute. What the hell?
in the ring. By God, we deserve some minutes. What is this? Wow. I guess now it's time, JR, that you want the truth. So, JR, tonight, I'm going to give you the whole damn truth. I have been sitting. I have been sitting like a damn corporate sellout next to that damn pig. And I have been talking. I have been talking about WWF versus WCW. I have been spilling my guts about this invasion. And it seems to me like everybody has forgotten the tribe of extreme. We're too extreme for WWF versus WCW. It seems to me that this man and this man have left Shane McMahon's WCW. It looks to me like these six men have left Vince McMahon's WWF. It looks to me like they all have joined ECW. So Vince or Shane, anytime you guys want revenge, we'll take on the WWF. We'll take on WCW. We're not hard to find. Because this invasion just got taken to the extreme. My God, I thought ECW was not even in business anymore. What the hell does Hayman come up with? The former owner of ECW. Six WWF superstars have defected the ECW. So now we have ECW threatening the WWF, and later on in the night, they would have a fucking tremendous tag team match, and we would learn that for one night only, the WWF and WCW would team up to take on ECW. I'm looking for you. You're looking for I'm me? I'm looking for you. Yeah, I'm looking You're for you. How to kick your ass. Oh, yeah, right, right, right now. We can do that again, but that's not yeah. what we've got a problem tonight. Tonight we need to work together. You understand that? The yeah, hell are you talking You about? just lost six of your guys. I just lost two of my guys. I can't afford to lose any guys right now. Paul Heyman, ECW. ECW is in our house, McMahon house. So this is what's going to happen, okay? I need your help tonight. Ten guys he has. I'll take five of my guys. You take five of your guys. We put our differences aside for one match. One match. You'll get yours at advantage. One match only. I need your help. We'll take ECW out for good. For one match. One. Only tonight. One. All right. But your five guys, 
Better damn well listen to my five guys. Uh, you got the wrong way. No, no. Oh, no, yes, it is. It's going to be my way here. It's, well, you're, or the highway? I don't exactly. think so. Exactly. Listen, we put our differences aside one night. I don't care what happens. Okay? Five and five. You're five and my five. That's what we got to do. Okay. You're on for one match, but it won't change a damn thing because an invasion, WCW is going down. I look forward to it. Good luck. So now the match is set. I mean, think of how many people were involved in this match. But still, we were going to have WWF and WCW team up to take on ECW. Unfortunately, things did not turn out the way Vince McMahon thought that they would because ultimately WCW and ECW would form the alliance. But the one moment that I always hated from this storyline is that we would learn that we'd have a new owner of ECW. And trust me, it's not because I was a diehard ECW fan. I mean, look, we do WWF owned it. So, you know, that was expected. But I don't know. I just didn't never was receptive. No matter how sexy, sexy she looked at the time, say that fast 10 times. I just couldn't buy into it. But this is how it went down that night where ultimately ECW and WCW would form an alliance to destroy WWF. We've seen things here tonight that we thought we'd never see. Ever. I mean, let's face it. We've got a an ECW invasion, and it threatens all of you, and it threatens all of us as well. So I never thought I would see the day when a WCW team would team up with a WWF team, but by God, that's what we've got. We've got to put an end to this ECW crap, and we'll do it tonight as long as all of you take direction and follow my guys. Well, that's exactly what we're messing up here, okay? Okay, you guys, okay, in order for this to work, will follow my guys, okay? No this way. will work out. No. Just chill not. out, okay? Everyone just chill out for a second. We have, we're in the house of McMahon, you understand well, that? Wait a minute, there can only be one leader of both That's teams. fine, then I will personally lead. I will personally lead the charge down there. So therefore, it's settled. You guys whoa, 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 listen whoa. to my guys. You're going to personally lead this? Yes. Then you're going to be personally held responsible. That's fine. Remember, this is one match only. After this, all bets are off. Once we yeah. take ECW out, all bets are off. And, and then, then we then go to invasion. Right. Then we you go back right. home. That's right. And then we can really find out. That'll be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. you got that right. Let's go, fellas. Let's go. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Thank you. Mm. Let's go. You guys, don't listen to a damn word Shane McMahon says. You do what you want to do. All right. We're going to do what we want to do. Go get it. Yeah. And we are back live, ladies and gentlemen. This has been an extraordinary night to say the least. Here comes the new WWF Tag Team Champions, the APA, and half of their Pinman Tag Team. happen and it's going to happen here and now 
now as these two factions will join forces to Here take on the, the TNEC men. Here comes the money. And here comes WCR and here Shane McMahon. The owner of WCW Shane McMahon. It's going to be, uh, really needs to get a scorecard because it's going to be Shane McMahon leading Sean O'Hare, Chuck Palumbo, Mark Kinrak, Sean Stasiak, and Chris Kenyon to the ring. These men will join forces with the WWF, yes, reluctantly, but that's the way it's going to go down. So this ECW ridiculous situation can be taken down, eliminated, once and for all here tonight. One night only, one match only, and try not let's just get it on. This is WWF country. This is our event. This is our ring. Let's end it here and now. Now these guys can just WWF and WCW like oil and water here, obviously. They gotta jail. They gotta stay together. Yes, one night only. Let's get this thing started. Let's get these ECW guys out of here so we can get them right, get their ass right out of town. Shane 
and the five WCW guys, and they're kicking the hell out of our five guys. Our five WWF guys are getting the machine and me hugging that buffoon heat. My God, what? The, this is a living nightmare. WWF. Oh yeah, Taz mission, baby. It's over. Bye bye. My yeah. God. One more. Feed him in. Feed it in. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Watch it. My God, this is a call for. This is. This is 15 on five. What the hell is this about? One. Oh, here it comes. Somebody here got it comes. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Watch it. Get him, get him, get him. Oh, baby, I see it in 3D. 3D. I said I can never ever compete with your checkbook, but I can outsmart you. And that's exactly what I've done tonight. It's exactly what we did tonight. You see, Dad, you told me in the locker room back there that I was personally responsible for everything that happens out here tonight. And you know what, Dad? You're right. I am personally responsible for all of this. I am personally responsible for WCW. I am personally responsible for ECW being here tonight. And hear me out. Listen up. Listen up. And I am personally responsible for the merger of WCW and ECW coming together tonight. What the hell is he talking about? So, Dad, at Invasion, this new entity... WCW and ECW is gonna kick the WWF's ass. My God! My God! Oh yeah! Oh wait, wait, wait! I got one more thing for you. One more. And I am also personally responsible and privileged to introduce you to the new owner of ECW. I believe you know this person quite well, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for Vince's daughter, Stephanie McMahon. How's that? The new owner of WCW. Oh my God! Shane owns WCW and the Princess Vince's little baby girl now owns ECW. For the love of God, the sins of a father are costing us all here in the WWF. I do not believe it.
that same week on SmackDown, I've played it before. You've probably heard it a thousand times. We have some great Kurt Angle audio coming up. It was this week in 01 where they were doing those skits backstage with Austin McMahon and Kurt Angle. And Kurt Angle did his uh, infamous rendition of Jimmy Crack Corn with the guitar. I got Olympic gold. I got Olympic gold. Funny shit. Maybe not so funny for a lot of fans out there, even though it was a little bit surreal for me to see with my own eyes. This week in 2002, we would learn that we would have new GMs for Raw and SmackDown. Now, this week, we would learn who the Raw GM would be. Next week in history, we would find out who the SmackDown GM would be. So, for historical purposes... Let's flash back to 2002. Vince McMahon in the ring announcing the new Raw General Manager who happened to be someone who was making their WWF debut. Here we go. We're going to be joined here early by the NWO. That's the way to kick off Raw. the very last time. What? What's he talking about? No idea. See, because there is no more NWO, the NWO is now history. History? The NWO era is now history. No different than many of the other preceding eras here in World Rusting Entertainment. We started out, of course, with the Buddy Rogers era. Following that, we went to the Bruno Sammartino era. That was followed by the Pedro Morales era. On into the superstar Billy Graham era. Wow. After that, we hit upon something known as the Hulk Hogan era. After that was the Ultimate Warrior era. And then after that was the Brett the Hitman Hart era. And most recently, the Stone Cold Steve Austin era. What's he saying? See, all these eras 
made their mark, but during each and every one of these eras, we World Wrestling Entertainment changed with the times. So too, we must change now. You see, not long ago, some... Wait a minute. people obviously we're around new york why don't we pass the a-hole all i ask for is just one little bit of respect just one little bit just some respect just a little bit this very program raw was born some 10 years ago right across the hudson river in downtown new york city at the manhattan center And soon, believe it or not, we will celebrate our 500th edition of Raw. That deserves a standing ovation. But now, it's time for Raw to be yet reborn again. Uh Uh-oh. It's time to shake up Raw. Time to shake up SmackDown. Time to shake up the entire World Wrestling Entertainment brand. And by God, the shake-up begins right here tonight. Oh, no. That means I'm wondering. I'm scared of shakeups. I've hired two new general managers. One general manager for Raw, another general manager for SmackDown. These two general managers will have complete authority and responsibility over their respective brands, and most importantly, will have my unqualified support in their endeavors. Oh no. And right here tonight, within the next hour, I will name the new general manager of Raw. A general manager who will be firm but fair. A general manager who won't back down from adversity. A general manager who will take Raw to higher ground. Oh, man. I'm getting nervous, JR. A new boss. Yes. Tonight, right here. Please, this is a major announcement. New general manager for Raw, a new boss for Raw, named tonight. Disrespect me, if you will. Do not disrespect this new general manager. You know who it is. I'll tell you why. Because this new general manager will give each and every one of you WWE fans what you truly want. Hey. And take my word for it, this new general manager announced in this ring will give each and every one of you what you truly deserve. What? I thank you very much. Until that is a blockbuster, a new boss of Raw, a new general manager of Raw will be named here tonight in the next hour. And SmackDown's going to get a new GM as well? What the heck is going on? Look at, look at the guys. And I'm sure all these new superstars, these men and women are wondering who their new boss is going to be. Does anybody know? Do you have a clue, JR? I didn't even know the position was open, but we're going to find out within the hour. Who is it? You know, you don't realize this, but 
It takes a real son of a bitch to be successful in this business. So from one son of a bitch to another, allow me to introduce you to the new general manager of Raw. His name is Eric Bischoff. I cannot believe this. I'm absolutely in shock. It's him. I can't even begin to tell our viewers, our new viewers, what this is going to be. by the way, that invaded this company, but the real deal. You see, when I ran WCW, I became famous. That's right. I was the only person ever able to take it right to Vince McMahon. That would be me. I remember those battles, and that's true. In fact, when Vince was out here a couple of weeks ago talking about ruthless aggression, just who the hell do you think he was talking about? He's ruthless, folks. Very ruthless. That, of course, would be me. I personified ruthless aggression. You got that right. When Vince McMahon needed star power, I was ruthless. Hell, I signed everybody he had. Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Roddy Piper. It went on and on and on. Hell, I was like a kid in a candy store. I signed Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mean Gene Oakland. Just, just for the hell of it. Just because I could. Just for the hell of it. The people's lives involved here. But what I really did is I took this little family business, this McMahon monopoly, 
and I gave it one big swift kick in the crotch. Oh. And it was sweet. In fact, while Vince McMahon was on trial with the federal government, Uh-oh. he took his eye off the ball. And I rated his company dry. And for all of you people who say the only reason I was successful is because I had Ted Turner's money, I've got news for each and every one of you. I was successful because I was innovative. In fact, I was cutting edge. Remember, remember back when Raw was taped every other week and Nitro was live? And I decided to go on the air two minutes before Raw, and I gave away everything that happened on Raw so you people didn't have to watch it. Ooh. Damn. Well, that was innovative, I suppose. That was ruthless. That was a little aggressive, but it worked. And how about Alundra Blaze? You remember her? This is woman's world champion. I signed her away, and I said, hey, Alundra. Bring your belt to Nitro. She didn't really want to, but I made her because she worked for me. And I had her go out on national television and throw it in the trash. <laughs> that's, that's innovative. That would kill me. It was a little ruthless. It was a little aggressive, but it worked. But you know what the important thing was? Is I forced Vince McMahon to change the way he did television. I did. Because in Nitro, I gave away a competitive main event every week with big stars. Hell, WCW Nitro changed the face of sports entertainment forever. And I single-handedly forced Vince McMahon to change the way he did business so he could keep up with me. That was beautiful. Hey, remember when I created the NWO? Cutting edge, ruthless, aggressive. Not some stale retread. Jerry, this is surreal. It's a legend in his own mouth. Nitro beat Raw. 84 weeks in a row. 84 weeks in a row. And I came this close. Can you see it? This close to putting this company out of business forever. And he's proud of it. Single-handed. Why would Vince So naturally I was a little surprised when my phone rang. Not on the other end was none other than Vince McMahon. And he said, hey, Eric, what do you think about becoming the general manager of Raw? I got to tell you. I was surprised. I was damn surprised. But then the more I thought about it, the more sense it made to me. Because, you see, if there's one person, one person who can take this struggling franchise and turn it into a national media powerhouse, well, that would be me. You could be right, JR. 
And it's going to start right here on Raw. And we're going to kick it off this Sunday at Vengeance. Because there was one thing that I really wanted to do when I was running WCW. Never got the job done. One piece of talent that I could never sign away. Just one. And I'm absolutely convinced, absolutely convinced, that if I would have been able to sign him, that right now, today, Nitro would be on the air. And Vince McMahon, my new best friend, with all due respect, would be working for me. But that's okay. Because it's not going to be the NWO that signs Triple H. Uh Uh-uh. That would be me. What? And for all of the rest of you in the back, some of you I've had a chance to work with, some of you I'm meeting for the very first time. One thing I'm sure you'll all agree on is that people generally like working for me. It's really not about the money. Truly, it's not. People are drawn to winners. You people are drawn to winners. Mr. McMahon was drawn to a winner, which is why he hired me. Let's face it, the WWE needs me. You people deserve me. And there's one thing I want to promise each and every one of you people I am here to put the E in WWE I am at a complete loss this is so surreal I can't believe it what I can't believe is that he's out here talking about signing Triple H how can he do that Triple H is on Smackdown I don't have any idea what he's babbling about Triple H is, a, is, is right. He's contracted to SmackDown. And by the way, speaking of SmackDown, who is the general manager of SmackDown? How, how the hell would I know? I, I didn't know Bischoff was coming back. And there's a lot of lot of mixed reactions, I'll tell you, about the fact that Eric Bischoff is our new boss here on Raw. Yeah, some of these guys wish he would get the F out already. 2003, one of my favorite moments in SmackDown history. It's not even a match. It was the infamous rap battle between John Cena and Kurt Angle. It was so fucking funny. And Kurt Angle having his hat sideways and doing all the mannerisms was so fluent on the mic. If you never heard this, you know, it's a shame WWE does not flash back on this all that often. In fact, I think I might have seen him mention it once in the last... 15 plus years, but here you go. The infamous rap battle between John Cena, Kurt Angle. You know, I came out here tonight not to wrestle, but to make a point. You see, over three months ago at WrestleMania, I lost the WWE title. And in less than three weeks from now, at Vengeance, I'll have a chance to win it back again. Because at Vengeance, I've got a triple threat match against two of the most dominating wrestlers ever to step foot in the WWE ring. Brock Lesnar and The Big Show. 
It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be brutal. And I got three words for you, Brock and Show. Bring it on! Because I've worked too hard for too long, and I'll be damned if the next time I come to Toronto, I don't have championship gold around my waist again. Woo! So show, Lesnar, I just... Yo. Yo. You're forgetting John Cena. You got rocks in your brain? Your gold was out in 96. You need to sport a steel chain. Now, now, you and Brock are close friends. And Big Show, he needs a Brock. That's not a triple threat match. Kurt, that's a menage a trois. And by, and by the time y'all wrestle, there'll be an empty arena. The main event at Vengeance is Undertaker John Cena. Yo, you're not better than me, Kurt. You're not even my equal. I'm like Terminator 3, you're like a Legally Blonde sequel. It makes me sick when you come out here and run your little mouth. We in the great white north, but you can bite my white south. Wow, John. I didn't think it was possible. But I think I finally found somebody in the company that's whiter than I am. <laughs> but that's beside the point. See, John, I've seen you in the ring. And I'll give you your mad props. Oh, yeah. But there's something you need to know about me. You see, as a wrestler, Cena, I'm multi-talented. Oh, it's true. You see, John, I can do Greco-Roman. I can even do amateur. But sometimes, I just like to kick it freestyle. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. You can't see me, dog. Yo, you couldn't find two lines to rhyme if your brain had low jack. How am I gonna get out battled by a wannabe Kojak? Okay, I don't even know what you just said. But, <laughs> if you meant, if you meant that I could out rap you, I'm willing to try, okay? Alright? Hey, rap! You do that beatbox thing, right? 
I've seen you do that beatbox thing. Come on in here. Grab a microphone. Get in here. Oh, that's the kid having it with the funny tongue. Funny tongue? Yeah, his tongue All makes right, all I, I, I want you to give me a, a beat, okay? Give me a funky beat, something like that. Something cool. Hey, you know what? You remind me of that police academy guy. That's pretty good. Go ahead, keep going, keep going. <laughs> The <laughs> name is Kurt Angle, and what the heck? I want to go metal with a broken freaking neck. You better step off, cause we ain't friends. I'm moving on up like the Jefferson. It's obvious. Oh, sh shut up. Yo, it's obvious you and the rest of these white boys out here never majored in thugonomics. Well, you obviously haven't majored in hugonomics. Eastside! <laughs> no, 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 I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do this, but now it's on. Kurt Angle, I'm gonna waste you like a... What you gonna do, Cena? Huh? What are you gonna do? Here's a rhyme you could take to the bank, Cena. I'll be straight up. I won't take your crap. You mess with me, and I will make you tap. Word life. 2004 WWE has their Vengeance pay-per-view from Hartford, Connecticut. Sunday night heat match, Tomko over Val Venus. You had Rhino and Tajiri over Garrison Cade and Jonathan Coachman. Batista over Chris Jericho. For the World Tag Team Championships, La Resistance retained, defeating Eugene and Ric Flair by DQ. In a no-DQ match, it was Matt Hardy over Kane. You had, for the IC Championship, Edge win the belt, defeating Randy Orton. In a singles match, to determine the number one contender for the Women's Championship, Victoria over Molly Holly. And for the World Heavyweight Championship, Chris Benoit retains, defeating Triple H. 2005, we opened up with it, the controversy with Muhammad Hassan, but we had some other controversy this week as well with WWE. By now, we knew about what happened with Lita and Matt Hardy. Lita would cheat on Matt Hardy with his friend Edge in real life. This would ultimately lead to Matt Hardy uh, being let go from the WWE for a short period of time. Well, at the time, WWE had an uh, internet show called Bite This pretty good show. I think a lot of people enjoyed it at the time. Well, this week it was controversial because Lita 
would be the special guest, and they promised that Lita would reveal a little bit as far as what went down with her and Edge. And uh, little did they know that someone would call in, and this would happen next. Where do you see your relationship now with Edge uh, going forward? I mean, how close are you guys at this point? Well, I, I definitely am in love with him. It's, this has taken on a whole new turn because of the stress. And, and I mean, if a normal relationship is hard enough as it is, getting to know people and kind of finding your groove, having this magnifying glass on top of it, having fans think that, I mean, even fans that think they're being supportive, screw Matt, go with Edge. I'm like, I can't believe someone just said that to me. The fact, I mean, people, they don't know. And I can't explain how things exactly happen. I can't explain exactly, I can't put a finger on it, why I'm in love with Edge. I, all I can say is that I am. And I am happy for the feelings that I feel when I'm around him. But I do regret how we both went about it. Once again, we are taking your questions live. 888-LIVE-WWE is the number to call. And we have another caller on the line. If you could please state your name and your question, please. Hey, Amy. This is Matt Hardy. The question I'd like to ask you is, uh, Wait, yeah, you're is this, out here. Um, is this really, is this, is this Matt Hardy? Do we have confirmation? Is this Matt Hardy? It, this is? Sounds like Matt to me, and it really shouldn't surprise me at this point. Yeah, it actually is Matt Hardy. Uh, if you need a little confirmation to prove it, I'll, how about uh, the same place where I showed up and embarrassed you this Monday night in Newark? Newark is also the same place you told me you loved me, Amy. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. The first time. You need any more confirmation? No, Matt. Go ahead. What's up? No, go ahead. I wanna. I'm gonna give you a chance. Considering you know, I, I, I have talked to you here and there, but I haven't talked to you uh, since everything has really, really went down. But I want to hear you explain yourself. Go ahead. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from the horse's mouth. What What would you like to know, Matt? Because as I know, I'm sure you've been listening to this entire show. Because if it is, um, if it's online, it's it's um, on in your house. I know that much. Well, the first thing I want to say is like, uh, how did it feel to see me Monday? Um, I don't know if it was so much seeing you that I, I didn't like, but I didn't really like seeing you blindside my boyfriend and, and attack him, but uh, that was awfully sweet of you. Well, if you thought that was sweet of me, believe me, your life is only starting to become miserable. And Adam Copeland, your boyfriend, the love of your life, his life is only starting to become miserable because Monday was the very first day in my movement. And my movement will be to get retribution on you and against that piece of feces, Adam Copeland, and against the WWE, more specifically the office of the WWE, Johnny Ace and all the other that fired me. That's great. Are you done with your wrestling promo that you just cut? Oh, no. Actually, I'm not. I, okay. I've, got, I've got plenty more wrestling promos to do. Great. And I've got plenty of things to discuss with you. So go ahead. Why don't you tell me exactly? Why is it uh, you're, you're more in love with Adam Copeland than me? Why did you throw away six good years? Why would you, you flush that down the drain? Matt. Especially considering this guy has been married twice and he's run over every woman he's been with. What makes you think you're so special? What makes you think you're different? I, I don't know that I need to tell you about my relationship. With I think you, I think you owe it to me. Considering I give you, I, I have given you six good years of my life, and I probably loved you more than anyone else would love you. No, I'm saying I don't think that that I owe you an explanation of my relationship with Edge. Although I can tell you about why I don't want to be with you. You cutting wrestling promos in a personal context could be one, one, one excuse that, that I could tell you. Okay, great, great. Well, you know, you are the reason that I'm cutting wrestling promos, and you are the reason why I showed up Monday night, and you are the reason all this began. 
I, I, I don't understand why that's my issue, that you've chose to act out this breakup that happens every day, just not on camera and not in a uh, public forum, that you've chose to act out this way. You've chose to rally your MFers because somehow having your MFers behind you makes it a lot better and easier to deal with and somehow more right and you're more vindicated because I fell in love with somebody else and because you have a lot of MFers somehow that equals, I, I don't know, I haven't quite put the two together, but... Well, the reason why the reason why it's public is because we're public people. We're public wrestling celebrities, and we were a lot more than just a, a couple, Amy. We were also a working couple. We'd worked together in the WWE for many years, and of course, you know, getting involved in a relationship with another worker, a guy who claimed to be one of my best friends. You know, they say in this business, you know, you only have like the number of friends, true friends that you have, you can count on one hand. And I would have considered Adam one. And considering that you would go out and fall in love and have an affair with him about you know behind my back and lie every step of the way i definitely think that makes things a public issue especially when that's going to come out come on we're on tv we're on worldwide we're in every country on the, in the world and considering the power of the internet that was going to be out and i was going to defend myself uh, because i didn't i didn't do anything wrong <laughs> you didn't do anything wrong and as far as the whole matt getting fired and not edge i mean you've got a guy I, I, i'll tell you John Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace, that's what everybody calls him. He's the guy who's the head of talent relations right now. I was ready to make a comeback. I'd rehabbed. I was supposed to be out eight to nine months with my left knee. I had it totally reconstructed. I was ready to come back in six months because I busted my ass to rehab my injury and come back for a wrestling company that I love with everything I am, that I've sacrificed everything I've had over the last seven years. And you guys know that, TLC matches, ladder matches, table matches, whatever it may be. And I was ready to come back. I was in Greenville, South Carolina, working out. I was in the ring actually working out with one of my buddies, Crazy K, and I got a phone call from Johnny Ace. And at this point he said, well, Matt, just want to tell you, he said, we're, we're going to have to release you. Creative really doesn't have anything for you. We, we, we don't have anything. We're gonna, I was going, Johnny, Johnny, I, that, I, I don't buy into that. You're going to release me because Creative don't have anything for me? You're telling me this doesn't have anything to do with my situation? No, it doesn't have anything to do with my situation, not at all. And one, I think Johnny Ace has a personal vendetta against me. And two, considering I was the guy that was the victim of this whole thing, I mean, Adam Copeland was a guy that was married. He was having, he was committing adultery, having an affair with my girlfriend. Those two were in the wrong. And the company, the WWE, was going to endorse that and fire me while I was at home with an injury. That is absolute. How, how can that be justified? The thing is, Adam Copeland, the Edge, that's the guy that should have been fired. They should have sent him home, and they maybe should have sent you home too, Amy. Especially with the way you are. The whole reason I think Monday night I came out there and I called him Adam because that's all I know him as. And I didn't even call you Amy because the Amy Dumas I know, that, that girl's she's dead. She's gone. Lita's all I know. This filthy hanging out with Edge. That's all I know now. I don't even know who Amy Dumas is anymore. Okay, and, and so why why should I want to be with you after a, a rant like this? And well, the re I, no, I'll tell you what, I don't want to be with you either. The whole thing is, I'm the kind of person, I, I, I'm vindictive. I'll tell you that right now. And if you, it, 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 if you screw over Matt Hardy, believe me, I will make your life miserable. You did that to me because I looked at you on the same level as myself. I mean, actually, wrestling is all I've known. It's all I've loved my entire life. And then it came to a point where I loved you more than wrestling. I put you first, and I put my career second. In case people don't know this, I was on SmackDown. I was in the midst of the best time I'd ever had as a singles wrestler in my career. The whole reason I came to Raw was to be with this girl, Amy Dumas, to be with Lita on TV so it wouldn't mess up our schedule, so it wouldn't mess up our relationship. And coming over there did nothing for me. It was a career killer, and part of it was your fault because you got heat when I got over there. And then I came over there for you just for our relationship because relationship was number one to me, wrestling was second. When I was out hurt, though, it seems to you that my relationship, our relationship didn't mean anything. Wrestling was first to you, and then even your relationship with Edge became first to you. 
So now, because you've done that, I'll get retribution against you, I'll get retribution against Adam, and I'll also get retribution against that company because I am the kind of person. I don't just like, people don't run over me and then I lay down and die. If people run over me, I will get up and I will massacre them. I will dismantle them. And you have no idea. You know what it's like to be my closest ally and have me do anything for you, and you're going to see what it's like to be my worst enemy. And I you're, know, you're not I know. Like I, read, I read already, Matt. Good. Thank you. Well, just, just to reiterate, because I know you're not too, you're not too up on your, internet, on your uh, internet sites, and you're not too up on your articles and whatnot. So just so you know, I want to warn you before I come. Okay, thanks. And um, we are now hosting the Bite This Show. I am your host, Lita. We have Matt Hardy here as a guest who, um, if he didn't say enough over the past months, um, he has actually more to say, folks. I know you're on the edge of your seats. What else have you got for us, Matt? Oh, yeah. You, you, would you like to hear some more? This is all I'm going to say right now. From now on, I am a free man. My 98 No Complete Clause, my No Compete Clause has ended. And you never know where I'll show up. This Friday, I'll just go ahead and plug it for you. I'll be in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Come out and see Matt Hardy. This Saturday, I'll be in for Ring of Honor. Come out and see Matt Hardy. Come out and see Ring of Honor, a real wrestling promotion, as opposed to the uh, WWE and its soap opera storylines. And this Sunday, you never know where I'll show up. Might go down to Florida for vacation. Monday, you never know where I'll show up there. Tuesday, there's a big wrestling show that day. All right, that's all the time we have yeah. today, folks, on Bite This. Matt Hardy, we appreciate you so much for stopping by today. Thank you. We'll be talking to you later. 2006, Brock Lesnar stripped of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. A little contractual dispute between New Japan and Brock Lesnar. Uh, he was supposed to defend the belt against Hiroshi Tanahashi, and uh, he would ultimately leave the company and at the time still had the belt. But uh, no, we would not have a Medusa or anything like that. He would return the title and, you know, the rest is history. Same week, WWE had uh, the return of Saturday night's main event, Dallas, Texas. Batista, Lashley, and Rey Mysterio over King Booker, Finley, and Mark Henry. You had Carlito and Trish Stratus over Molina and Johnny Nitro. D-Generation X over the Spirit Squad in a uh, two-on-five elimination match. DX would win five falls to none. Sabu over Stevie Richards in an Extreme Rules match. John Cena over Edge by DQ. So the title did not change hands. Same week. Ring of Honor had their Death Before Dishonor 4 event from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the National Guard Armory. Delirious over Seth DeLay. The Embassy over Colt Cabana and Jay Lethal. Nigel McGuinness over Roderick Strong to retain the Pure Championship. The Briscoes over David Christ and Jake Christ. AJ Styles over Davey Richards. Brian Danielson over Sunjay Dutt over refer uh, by referee stoppage to retain the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship. And the main event, Team Ring of Honor of Ace Steel, Adam Pierce, BJ Whipner, Brian Danielson, Homicide, and Samoa Joe. They defeated Team Combat Zone Wrestling of Claudio Castagnoli, Chris Hero, Eddie Kingston, Nate Webb, and Necro Butcher in a Cage of Death match. 2007, 2007, Nancy Benoit and Daniel Benoit laid to rest. Right smack in the middle of all the fallout of the Benoit tragedy. And this week in 2007, Mr. Kennedy appears on Fox News talking about the Benoit tragedy and the topic of steroids. 
I'm going to share with you the interview. It runs about six minutes because it's always memorable for a particular comment that he said during it. And if you are a longtime listener of the Minority Report, then you remember that infamous soundbite of Mr. Kennedy asking him if he ever took steroids. It originated from this 2007 interview on Fox News. Ladies and gentlemen, I weigh in tonight at 245 pounds. I hail from Green Bay, Wisconsin! Well, I don't think he really needs any introduction now. Mr. Kennedy is a WWE superstar. He's introduced himself very well, as you just saw there. He worked closely with pro wrestler Chris Benoit. They traveled together uh, on the circuit, and Mr. Kennedy knows what really goes on inside the world of professional wrestling, and he joins me now. Welcome. Good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell me, Ken, you know, when, when you're on the road, I was just asking you this, you're traveling with Chris Benoit, how much time do you spend together? How, how well did you know him? Um, I, I wouldn't say that I was one of the guys that knew him extremely well, um, but over the course of the last two years that I've been with the WWE, um, you know, he was somewhat of a mentor to me. I trained with him, I traveled with him on occasion, not very often, but I traveled with him on occasion. I always talked to him, always got advice from him in a locker room. Um, so, you know, I knew him pretty well, and there were things that he opened up to me about that... Did he ever talk to you about steroids? Uh, no, never talked to me about steroids. Um, you know, that, that was just something that was never brought up. So, you know, I know that I read your blog, I know you're angry, you feel like your profession's being misrepresented because everybody is out there talking about Chris Benoit, talking about the need for regulation perhaps, talking mm -hmm. about the use of steroids that may be hurting and destroying in some cases people's bodies. What are we getting wrong? Well, for one thing, uh, wh one of the things that's been going around lately is, are these lists. Um, anywhere from 60 wrestlers on these lists to over 100 wrestlers on these lists who have died from you know professional wrestling over the past mm -hmm. 10, 20 years. And uh, the thing is, is that it, it's unfortunate that we lost one person, let alone uh, the, the fact is, is that we've actually lost five people right. under our watch. And the other, you know, 60 to 100 people were uh, independent wrestlers wrestled for other companies other than the WWE. But overall, it, it does say something about what's going on when you have all these people who are, you know, in their 30s. And I, and I have the list of the people who are WWE related, and three of them, Russ Haas, Eddie Guerrero, and Bill Pillman, all died of heart ailments. Right, and Russ Haas had a, you know, he was born with a heart condition, and that's why, you know, he had a heart, I believe he had a heart attack in the ring, and that's why he died. Uh, the other two, yes, and if you look at the, if you look at those two instances, Eddie Guerrero and Brian Pillman, um, those were two guys that chose to use a lot of drugs and take steroids and things like that. Um, and they did so before they came to the WWE. They played, uh, you know, they wrestled for WCW, which is owned by right. Ted Turner. Uh, they wrestled for a number of other organizations. And well, you, you know what? Back then, back then the lifestyle was completely different. These guys were on the road all the time they would be on the road for as much as uh, 40 days at a time and they would be out you know drinking until the wee hours of the morning they would take yeah. pills to go to sleep they would snort coke to get up 
and they would do this day after day after day. Right, so day. maybe it was you know a, a decadent lifestyle overall. But you know, I'm just a casual observer, and we all see mm -hmm. you know athletes, in some cases baseball players, who are huge, really mm -hmm. bulked up, and then in you know documented cases, you can see them stop taking steroids and they get very small. So I look at WWE wrestlers, and not just WWE, other mm -hmm. wrestlers, and the kind of people that you're talking about who used to be in the profession look to me like they're taking these kind of drugs. Are you telling me that they're not? Um, no, we actually have a, a drug policy in place right now and we're regularly tested. I've been tested, since I've been with the company, I've been tested five times. Um, you don't take steroids? No. I've been tested myself five times and uh, there is, uh, contrary to popular belief, somebody said that, um, that our levels our allowable levels right. in the WWE are, are ridiculous, which is wrong because... You say uh, they're the same as, as football. They are the same. Right. Uh, the only difference is that for us, because we're not a... Uh, our finishes are predetermined, you know. Mm -hmm. the, the outcomes of our matches are already predetermined by somebody. Um, and our levels are 4 to 1. Uh, testosterone to epitestosterone level and if you test higher than four to one you're automatically suspended and then uh, so Dr. Black the doctor who implemented this program will then review each case and if you have a legitimate medical reason why your levels are higher than four to one which is a very small percentage of, of reasons why uh, you know why you would be able to have an elevated testosterone level mm -hmm. And if you don't meet those criteria, you're suspended so you and ultimately fired if you... You don't think there's repeat. a problem. You don't think there's a steroid problem in wrestling. I think that there was a steroid problem you don't at think one there time. Is anymore. I don't think there is you anymore. Think and I think that the people that you're seeing dying right. were from that era where... So you think when we get the toxicology the reports back on Chris Benoit, it's not going to be a steroid issue that caused... Uh, I don't know. Obviously, his steroids were found in his home. Right. And if he was using steroids... Uh, he obviously wasn't, uh, he was, he had passed the drug test, so maybe he injected steroids the day before he died. Okay. I don't think the toxicology reports are actually going to prove anything. Right. All right, Mr. Kennedy, representing hopefully a new uh, breed of wrestlers who we don't are, have truly. a lot of these we issues. We truly are. Uh, and we thank you very much for coming here tonight. Thank you. Good thank to you meet for you. having Good me. Good luck to you. Shortly after this interview, Mr. Kennedy would fail the wellness program. His career in the WWE was never the same. Never the same. Now, to his credit, I thought he did pretty damn good in TNA. Cleaned up his act. I think he has a wrestling school now. He deserves a lot of credit. But look, at the time, sure. Uh, any of us deal with a murder-suicide in our personal lives? No. It's a very bad situation to be in. Awkward. Uh, sure, it doesn't justify him failing the wellness program, but still. You know, it was just a really black eye in the world of pro wrestling, the Benoit murder-suicide uh, I don't know if pro wrestling has ever recovered, you know, fully. I mean, it just so many dramatic changes since. And look, for the better, the wellness program, although not perfect, I think dramatically uh, changed after this. WWE doesn't want something like this. I don't think anybody in any profession, and whether professional or personal, no, no, it's just, it's a, just a really fucked up situation. Same week, WWE signed Teddy Hart to a developmental deal. This guy should have made it big time in WWE. Unfortunately, because of some issues, you know, I think he himself would admit that he was very immature at the time. He would be signed this week in 07. By October, he was done. Same week, wrapping up 07. First, Jim Ross opened up his JR's Family Barbecue Restaurant. 
would stick around for about two and a half years or close to three years. We would close down because of the economy and overhead was just way too expensive. But luckily, he still has his barbecue products available on his website. A lot of supermarkets carry it. I have been a purchaser of his product many times over the years. Barbecue sauce, the chipley ketchup, outstanding. The beef jerky, excellent. I, I, and even his mustard, even though I'm not a big mustard fan, I thought his mustard was great as well. There's really, the JR's barbecue products are not hype. They are legit. If you've never tried it, you should. TNA would have their Victory Road pay-per-view from Orlando, Florida. In an ultimate X gauntlet match to determine the number one contender for the X Division title, Christopher Daniels wins it, defeating Puma, Jay Lethal, Homicide, Sunjay Dutt, Petey Williams, Elix Skipper, Kaz, Senshi, and Sharkboy. Voodoo Kin Mafia over Basham and Damager. James Storm over Rhino. Motor City Machine Guns over Jerry Lynn and Bob Backlund. Eric Young and Gail Kim over Robert Roode and Miss Brooks in a t- mixed tag match. You had Christian Cage over Chris Harris. Sting and Abyss over AJ Styles and Tomko. And a tag team match for the World Heavyweight X Division and World Tag Team Championships. Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe defeated Team 3D uh, to win the belts. Now, um, basically what went down, the winner of the fall won the losers' championships. So since Samoa Joe was the one to win the fall, he won the tag titles for himself and Kurt Angle. But Samoa Joe decided, you know what? I don't want to give the tag title to Kurt Angle. He decided to keep the belts for himself. And wrapping up 07, AAA had the Triple Mania 15 event from Mexico. And uh, it was a pretty damn good card. I've watched highlights of this. And if you're into Mexican wrestling, I think you'll enjoy it. You had uh, Alpha, Fabi Apache, Mini Abismo Negro, and Cassandro of El Oriental, Cynthia Moreno, Octagoncito, and Pipinella Escarlata. The Mexican powers of Crazy Boy and Jolita over the black family of Dark Cuervo and Dark Oz. The, so Crazy Boy and Jolita are your new AAA World Tag Team Champions. In a street fight, Juvi over Fuerza Guerrera. Uh, tag team match, Laredo Kid and Grand Apache over Superfly and Super Calo. That is not Snooker. You then have, uh, in a mask versus mask match, Superfly defeat Super Calo. In a Lucha Libre's rules, tag team match, a six-man, El Alibre, Al Alabrije, uh, Brazo de Plata and El, El Guido over Alan Stone, Scorpio Jr., and Zumbido. Headhunter uh, number one, Ron Killings, Rikishi Fatu, and Sabu win a eight-man tag team match over the animal Latin lover, La Parca and El Zorro. And the main event, in a Domo de la Muerte cage match, you had Charlie Manson, Chessman, and Cibernetico defeat El Macias, Sean Waltman, and Kenzo Suzuki. And because Kenzo Suzuki was the last person in the cage, he had to have his head shaved. 2008, Ashley Mazzaro released from WWE. TNA had their Victory Road pay-per-view from Houston, Texas. In a four-team, 12-man elimination tag team match, the third round of the 2008 TNA World X Cup Tournament, 
Team TNA, which was Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, and Curryman over Team Japan of Masato Yoshino, Milano Collection AT, and Puma. Team Mexico over Averno, Ray Bucanero, and Ultimo Guerrero. And Team Internacional of Alex Kozlov, Doug Williams, and Tyson Ducks. Gil Kim over Angelina Love. Sunjay Dutt over Jay Lethal. In a fans' revenge lumberjack match for the TNA tag titles, the LAX retained the belts, defeating Beer Money. Taylor Wilde retains the knockouts title, defeating Awesome Kong. In a four-way Ultimate X match, which was the first round of the 2008 World X Cup tournament, Volador Jr. defeats Davari, Kaz, and Naruki Doi. In a full Metal Mayhem match, Kurt Angle and Team 3D over AJ Styles, Christian Cage, and Rhino. And for the TNA World Heavyweight title, Samoa Joe and Booker T wrestled to a no contest. 2009, Bobby Lashley signs with TNA. 2009, Bobby Lashley signs with TNA. And superstar Billy Graham sells his WWE Hall of Fame ring on eBay. Gets a little over 11 grand for it. Hope you spent that money wisely. 2010, TNA has their Victory Road pay-per-view from Orlando, Florida. Doug Williams retains the X Division Championship in an Ultimate X submission match. He defeated Brian Kendrick. Brother Ray wins a three-way over Brother Devon and G- Jason- Jesse Neal. Excuse me. Title versus career match for the knockouts title. Angelina Love defeats Madison Rain, but it's by DQ, so the belt does not change hands. Fortune of AJ Styles and Kazarian over Rob Terry and Samoa Joe. In a steel cage match, Hernandez over Matt Morgan. Jay Lethal over Ric Flair. Entertaining match. For the vacant, World Tag Team titles, the Motor City Machine Guns defeat Bear Money. Kurt Angle over D'Angelo De Niro. In a four-way match for the TNA Heavyweight Championship, RVD retains, defeating Jeff Hardy, Mr. Anderson, and Abyss. Same week, Dixie Carter and Tommy Dreamer announced at the Impact tapings that they are going to be doing their own ECW one-night stand. It's going to be called Hardcore Justice. We get to relive that in a few weeks. Remember? Me cajoni. 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 Ah, balls Mahoney, God rest your soul. Wrapping up 2010, remember the game show Downfall on ABC hosted by Chris Jericho? You know, it only lasted five episodes. Felt a lot longer, right? But um, you can watch the game show episodes on YouTube. They're all there. It wasn't a bad show. It was just too confusing. I mean, I haven't watched episodes since, but from what I recall from it, they had contestants. They would have to answer questions. And, you know, you would have, like, uh, panic things where you would hit, a like, a button to stop a conveyor belt. And, by the way, the conveyor belt had all, like, your prized possessions that you owned, cars, furniture, wedding stuff. And if you didn't answer the questions correctly, things would fall off the conveyor and be destroyed. The uh, game show was, uh, like, a top, like, a fucking 150-story building. And, yes, I'm exaggerating it. Chris Jericho was fine in it, but... ABC, because of the ratings, were not good. They canceled it. And at the time, Jericho was basically telling everybody online, you're all haters, you're full of shit, you know, we need more contestants, it's not canceled. Yeah, they never had another episode. But if you want to reminisce, if you've never seen it, go on YouTube. And wrapping up 2010, oh, could ever forget, indie wrestler Chasen Rance, arrested in Florida, 
uh, accused of having sex with a 15-year-old. And um, he would ultimately plead, I think, no contest. It's interesting because if you look at the history of it, he pled no contest, I believe, in 2010. Sentenced to two years of community service. Had to register as a sex offender for seven years. So now if you do the math, you say, okay, registered as a sex offender for seven years in 2010. That means in 2017, he should be good to go. Well, if you go on the Florida sex offenders registry, he is still registered as a sex offender to this day. Honestly, I don't give a shit about chasing rants. Um, so I'm not going to try to research as to why that still is the case. But, um, you know, who could ever forget the controversy in 2018? Didn't Kenny Omega have an event and uh, he brought in Chase and Rance? He claimed that he didn't know anything about Chase and Rance, you know, being convicted and being a registered sex offender. Look, there's nothing to discredit what Kenny Omega said. I take his word for it. They did not have, you know, cards where they wrestled together and stuff like that. Sure, most of us knew about Chase and Rance with the sexual abuse with a minor. But, you know, not everybody did. So I really, I remember when we covered it on the shows, I couldn't really hold, you know, Kenny Omega to the fire for it because, you know, he claimed he didn't know and got to take his word for it. He apologized tremendously after but, yeah, that's going to haunt Chase and Rance for the rest of his life. 2011, TNA has their Destination X pay-per-view, and we got a couple more audio clips coming up shortly. CM Punk fans will definitely enjoy them. Uh, Orlando, Florida for TNA's pay-per-view. Kazarian over Samoa Joe. In an open challenge match, Doug Williams over Mark Haskins. Eric Young and Sharkboy over Generation Me of Jeremy Buck and Max Buck. And after this event, uh, the Bucks would request and were granted their release from TNA. In an ultimate X match to determine number one contender for the X Division title, Alex Shelley defeats Robbie E., Amazing Red, and Shannon Moore. RVD over Jerry Lynn. Four-way X Division showcase match, Austin Aries over Jack Evans, Zima Ion, and Loki. For the X Division championship, Brian Kendrick wins the belt, defeating Abyss. And AJ Styles over Christopher Daniels in almost 30 minutes. Excellent match. Same week, TNA signed Kid Cash. And this same week, you know, we had all the controversy of CM Punk, who is going to be wrestling John Cena for the belt. You know, CM Punk talking about how his contract was going to expire in WWE. And we had two very long but very memorable segments go down this week on Raw. Now, I trim these down. For all you John Cena fans out there, my apologies. I did not include the John Cena footage for the simple reason that you add up the amount of time with these two clips. It's insane how long these segments were on that episode of Raw. Over 30 minutes, easily. But first, I give you now uh, CM Punk announcing that he wants to have open live contract negotiations on Raw with Vince McMahon. I feel a little bit of recapping is in order. If you didn't see the show last week, and, and I can't blame you, I didn't watch either because I wasn't on. 
I was suspended by Vincent K. McMahon. I was suspended because the week prior to that, I got into a little bit of trouble because of some things that I said. I didn't get in trouble because I announced that July 17th, my contract with World Wrestling Entertainment ends. I didn't just get in trouble because I said not only am I going to defeat John Cena this Sunday at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, but that I was going to leave with the oh-so-precious WWE title, rendering all future champions completely irrelevant. I didn't just get in trouble because of this little nugget. I mentioned when Vince McMahon finally dies that the company will fall into the hands of his idiotic daughter and his son-in-law, who I believe I referred to as a doofus. I got in trouble basically because I have the balls to say things that nobody else has the balls to say. Things like this company inside and outside the ring are filled with a parade of shameless ass kissers. But never fear, tonight, not only am I reinstated, not only is my championship match with John Cena back on, I brought back up just in case they cut my microphone off. So a lot of you are probably wondering exactly why I'm holding a live microphone right now. I'll explain it to you. Vince McMahon desperately wants to sign me to a very long-term, very lucrative contract with World Wrestling Entertainment. It's, it's funny to me that Vince is bending over backwards to give me everything I've ever wanted. And the reason that's funny is because all I've ever really wanted is this little microphone. See, this, this is power. This voice, this is power. In anybody else's hands, this is a microphone. In my hands, it's a pipe bomb, as I showed two weeks ago. So Vince McMahon finally sees me for what I am, and that is the hottest property in this industry today. He finally sees that way because I did something that he and his endless empty suits could not do. I made WWE socially relevant. And I'm not talking 
I'm not talking about you people because you don't, you don't really count. I'm talking about the real world. See, in the real world, the WWE has always gotten a mention or two for two reasons. The first one being that CM Punk is speaking his mind. The second one is because somebody died. It's true. But now the WWE, because of me, is all over YouTube. I am a YouTube sensation. EC ESPN is falling all over themselves to try to, to try to get me on their radio shows, to try to get me on their TV shows. Jimmy Kimmel's people are ringing my phone off the hook. They want to know exactly what I have to say. They're begging for my story. And I find it funny that I have one foot out the door and Vince McMahon finally wants to give me everything I want. Well, five years ago, Vince McMahon treated me this nice. I wouldn't have five years of pent-up ammunition to unload on him. I wouldn't have so much to say. I know Vince McMahon and I know how he does business and he's going to come here and he's going to expect me to sit down in his office and have a nice little man-on-man -man conversation about a contract. But I also know he likes to do things that have never been done before. So I say tonight, Vince McMahon, we have the first ever live contract negotiation in the ring. And who knows, maybe I'll sign, maybe I won't. Maybe Vince McMahon will have to join something that I like to call the CM Punk Kiss My Ass Club. And then uh, later on in the night, we would have CM Punk once again uh, with this confrontation with Vince McMahon. You son of a bitch. I'm Vince McMahon, damn it, let's hear it. Thank you, Clap. Those of you who actually think that I'm going to join the uh, CM Punk Kiss My Ass Club, I uh, hope you're not going to be disappointed. That's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> I can't imagine myself. On my hands and knees, and someone drops their trowel and shows me the big moon, and I, I could just never ever do anything like that. But uh, the, the other aspect of this whole thing is, is bothersome in that this is supposed to be some sort of public negotiation. Well, there's John Cena last week publicly spewing off of the mouth or CM Punk wanted to have a, uh, a public negotiation. Contracts should not be negotiated, with all due respect, in public. But nonetheless, uh, that's what CM Punk, CM Punk, I can't even pronounce his name. 
<laughs> he is a punk, but nonetheless, come on out, CM Punk. I wonder what CM stands for. Uh-oh. Uh, they got the punk part right. Come on, let's get this over with. I've got a plane to catch. find everything in this contract punk your attorneys to sky low low seizure <laughs> you'll sign everything here and find everything here in order your attorneys have been through it numerous times including a little provision that you want your own collector's cup nonetheless look at you look sign at it Ladies and gentlemen, the chairman of the board, Vincent K. Yeah, the chair for yeah. Vince. Yeah. What a maneuver! <laughs> Look at you. You're really going to go through with it, aren't you? For somebody who's always been so pro John Cena, I figured you'd come out here wearing one of his ridiculous red T-shirts. You'd have the armbands on. But looking at you now, I can tell you have zero faith in John Cena come this Sunday, which I clearly don't well, blame you. My faith or lack of faith in John Cena has nothing to do with this. I simply want you to sign the contract for the right reasons. First of all, to make you a rich man, richer than you already are. And secondly, I, I really couldn't live with myself if in fact Somehow, on the last day of your existing contract, somehow you were able to win the championship from John Cena and walk out of Chicago with my title. I could not live with myself. That's why we have the contract. That's why we have all of these provisions in here, just like you asked for, right? I mean, this is right, Phil, right? I, mean, I can call you Phil, right? I mean, come on. Hey, hey, come on. You want to open this sucker up? Let's open it up, okay? By all means. Yeah, uh -huh. You want to have fun? Hey, Let's come have on. fun. I've got everything in here you want. Because you my lawyers looked over your contract, Vince. And frankly, it just wasn't up to par, so I had them draw up a new one. I have it right here. My signature's already on it. All you got to do is sign it. I do think you should know about a couple new perks that I've added to it. 
You say you don't think contractual things should happen in public? Let's ask the WWE Universe. You people want this to go down in public? You want to hear a couple new perks? Don't push me. He said, don't push me. Did you already look at this? Did somebody stooge this off? Because it's actually provision number one. That I get to push you. Vince, I'll push you all I want. Vince, I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it and show me some respect. Because if you don't, I find the nearest paper shredder, I throw this puppy in there and Sunday, I leave with your WWE Championship. Provision number one for a superstar such as myself. First class travel is not good enough. I want my own jet. And I don't want your jet. Your jet smells. Don't try to pawn that thing off on me. I want my own jet. Number two, my face will be on everything. I want my face on the Titantron. I want my face on these turnbuckles. I want cups, posters, spoons, knives, forks, shoes, socks. I want everything with my face on it. Number one thing being, I want you to bring back the WWE ice cream bars. just made you a million dollars in ice cream sales. I want WWE Films to immediately start production on CM Punk the movie. You can call it the chaperone too, except mine will be funny and entertaining and successful. And one last thing, uh, the main event of WrestleMania being John Cena against your buddy Dwayne. That's The Rock for nobody who watches bad Disney movies. Yeah. You can still have that little fantasy, but the match I compete in at WrestleMania will be the main event. Those are just a few of many new perks that my lawyers have added to the contract. The last thing that this contract states is that you apologize to me. I know Vince McMahon doesn't apologize, right? But you will apologize to me for suspending me last week. You will apologize... Hell, you know what? I'm going to be honest. You're not just apologizing to me. You're apologizing to these people for being one of the biggest hypocrites I've ever seen in my entire life. As far as your anti-bullying campaign goes, you're one of the biggest bullies I have ever met in my entire life, and you will apologize. 
have had friends, very talented friends, work for this company and be unceremoniously fired. They deserved it. They deserved yeah. it. They deserved it. Why? Because you don't know what makes a superstar in 2011. You don't know what these people want. You want to punish people for actually liking professional wrestling guys like Cole Cabana, guys like Luke Gallows? Huh? You will apologize to me for them because they can't be here right now and they can't stand up to you and they can't let their voice be heard. I am CM Punk and I am the voice of the voiceless and you will apologize and you will like it. Hey, look. Look. Just calm down, okay? Let's just let's just get this signed and just calm down, okay? Let, let, let's be gentlemen here, okay? Let's be gentlemen. Gentlemen. Let's be gentlemen and let's be businessmen. Should we be gentlemen or should we apologize? Vince, sign the contract and apologize and spare your company any further embarrassment. Let's just get this over with, okay? And, and I mean, let's just, you know, I, I, come on, I've, I've eaten a crap sandwich out here. What you people want. That's the problem, Vince. That's the problem. You don't give a damn. And my problem is I care too much. Am I a bad guy? Absolutely. I don't wear a white hat, but I damn sure am in touch with these people want. And right now, I think Boston wants to hear an apology. Sorry, okay? I'm sorry. I said I'm sorry. What? I said said I'm sorry. What? If there was ever an appropriate time, what? Jazz, you son of a bitch! He's better than winning the world title three times. Vince McMahon just apologized to CM Punk. I'm sorry. It's a little early over here, so my Vince McMahon impersonation not as good as they should be.
2012. Well, we'll get to a memorable NXT debut in a moment. We'll pay a little tribute to this person. But first, WWE has their Money in the Bank pay-per-view from Phoenix, Arizona. R-Truth and Kofi Kingston over Camacho and Hunico. Money in the Bank ladder match for the contract. Dolph Ziggler wins the briefcase, defeating Christian, Damian Sandow, Santino Morella, Cody Rhodes, Sincata, Tenzai, and Tyson Kidd. For the World Heavyweight Championship, Sheamus retains over Alberto Del Rio. Primo and Epico over the primetime players. In an ODQ match for the WWE Championship, AJ Lee, special guest referee, CM Punk retains, defeating Daniel Bryan. Ryback over Kurt Hawkins and Tyler Rex in a handicap match. Six Diva tag team match. Caitlin, Layla, and Tamina Snook over Beth Phoenix, Eve Torres, and Natty. And the Money in the Bank ladder match for a WWE Championship contract. John Cena wins that briefcase, defeating The Big Show, Chris Jericho, Kane, and The Miz. Same week, we would unfortunately learn that Karma was gone from WWE. She was still on the roster, but then moved to the alumni section. People picked up on it immediately, asked her about it on social media, and she confirmed that she was done with WWE. Also the same week, WWE announces their partnership, their huge investment in tout. Remember that? Those brief video clips, tout, tout, tout. I hated that. I never got into tout, never recorded a clip. Uh, Just, I don't know. It just never went off the ground. Tout. Remember that? Tout. 2012. There have been that many years already. Tout. But uh, memorable NXT TV debut this week. Now, look, we've seen them in NXT before. But as far as this character goes in NXT, it made its official debut this week in 2012. Now, keep in mind, this character was also featured on Florida Championship Wrestling before NXT. But let's pay a little tribute to Bray Wyatt. This week in 2012, made his NXT debut, and he took on Aiden English. Aiden English, a young star here on NXT, uh, certainly one of many looking to break out and turn some heads. He certainly is, yes. Oh dear. I can only imagine what you people must think of me, man. (laughs) You don't understand me, but you will in time. In time, you will understand exactly who I am, man. And in time, you will understand exactly what I am capable of, man. (laughs) And then, and finally then, you will understand what I am. (laughs) But for now, I am the angel in the dirt. My name's... It's Bray Wyatt. Pleased to meet you, man. <laughs> wow. And his opponent from Lafayette, Louisiana, weighing 285 pounds, Bray Wyatt. How? How do you? How do you evaluate a, a, a man like 
Bray Wyatt, William Regal. I've seen and done a lot of hideous things in, in my life. I don't know how to explain this man. I mean, he truly gives me the collie wobbles. I, 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 I can't. There's just a, an aura of just pure vile and venom that comes from him. I, 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 I tried to have a conversation with him before, and he, he was talking recently. You heard about that, that that preacher who was handling live rattlesnakes and, 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 and got bitten and, 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 and passed away, and. and Bray Wyatt was laughing about it, saying that he just didn't believe enough. Mm. And, I, and I, was, I didn't believe in what enough, he said. He didn't believe like I do. And I was trying to get to the bottom of it. I can't get to the bottom of the man. My goodness. Look at the aggression of, of Bray Wyatt. I mean, this almost unorthodox style, this 300-pound superstar. But my goodness. And, he, and he's laughing to himself. It, it, this man truly may be psychotic. I mean, there's there's no other way of, to put it. That, but he's a, a psychotic 300-pound man who has incredible athletic ability, and I know he you know he was an amateur wrestling champion. So it's just pure danger. This man is pure danger. Look at him, third-generation athlete. I mean, you know it's in his DNA. But my goodness, I mean, just look at the expression on his face. What in the world is going on in the mind of Bray Wyatt? He's very dangerous, and he's going to do some permanent damage to somebody. I mean, he's just balmy. Oh, Watch out! My gosh. 300-pound freight train crashing into the body of Aiden English. And now he's dancing with him. This is just sick. <laughs> what? My gosh! Destructive and devastating. It doesn't matter what we think of Bray Wyatt, this young man is going to be a huge star. Well, take a look at how it happened. Full speed ahead, 300 pounds. Bray Wyatt into a helpless Aiden English, and as if it couldn't get any more awkward, he he dances with a clearly dazed English before almost proverbially kissing him goodnight. Look at this. My goodness. Unorthodox, unstable, but dominant. Now again, the Bray Wyatt character we saw a little bit in Florida Championship Wrestling before, but this was a pretty big deal. The crowd really enjoyed it. And for a little bonus audio for everyone, let's flash back to a very rare promo that you can't find all that, uh, that much online. Here's Bray Wyatt cutting a very early promo in that character in Florida Championship Wrestling. Take note of the extreme southern accent and a little bit of Forrest Gump in his promo as well. I was raised in Lafayette, Louisiana. My daddy, he's a captain of his own shrimp boat. <laughs> I hated my daddy. He was a mean old man, my daddy. He took an eight-year-old Bray Wyatt and he pulled him out of school. 
He didn't think I need to learn with them other kids. <laughs> but then randomly one day, my daddy, his boat, well, caught on fire. And it sunk him down into the daggone sea with it. And I went away. I went away for a while. <laughs> but Bray Wyatt, he told himself how to read. And I started out with C-Spot Run. And then it was Clifford the Big Red Dog. And then it was a good book mostly after that. <laughs> and I learned. And I learned a lot of things. I learned how this world likes to throw away a little white trash peon like Bray Wyatt. And let me tell you something. I ain't no white trash. And I ain't no peon either. I am better than you all. And I wouldn't want to be that guy. I wouldn't be that guy, that first guy that has to get in the ring with me, man. I wouldn't want to be you. Because I am going to take pleasure in watching you burn, man. <laughs> Just like my daddy. <laughs> Come with me. Time is my daddy, shrimp boat, shrimp boat, shrimp boat. Uh, we're not done with Bray Wyatt audio. We got something else in a few moments. But first, 2013 Money in the Bank pay-per-view, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Tag team match for the tag team titles. The Shield retained the belts, defeating the Usos. By the way, the Shield were Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Money in the Bank ladder match for the World Heavyweight Championship contract. Damian Sandow wins the briefcase, defeating Cesaro, Cody Rhodes, Dean Ambrose, Fandango, Jack Swagger, and Wade Barrett. For the WWE Intercontinental Championship, Curtis Axel retains, defeating The Miz. For the Divas Championship, AJ Lee retains, defeating Caitlin. Ryback over Chris Jericho. For the World Heavyweight Championship, Alberto Del Rio retains over Dolph Ziggler. For the WWE Championship, John Cena retains, defeating Mark Henry. And the Money in the Bank ladder match for the WWE Championship contract, Randy Orton wins the briefcase, defeating Christian, CM Punk, Rob Van Dam, Sheamus, and Daniel Bryan. Matt Morgan granted and receives his release from TNA. We have the anniversary of the WWE Performance Center officially opening. 2014, similar to what we talked about earlier with uh, Karma, Awesome Kong, CM Punk officially gone from the WWE. He was moved to the alumni section, and he would confirm on social media that he was done. Thanked all the fans for the support throughout the years. And he finished up with saying that health and happiness, above all, don't take shit from anybody. 2015, oh, TNA, bless your hearts. Trying to do an invasion angle with Global Force Wrestling. It was this week in 15, if anybody remembers the infamous photo where I actually put a number on. I was bored that day, but a lot of you will remember it. TNA and Global Force Wrestling had a house show at a baseball stadium in Appleton, Wisconsin. The baseball field sat about five or 6,000 people. They drew a total of 137. And I actually took the time and wrote a number under 
or, or excuse me, over everybody's head that was in the crowd. Somebody was kind enough to take a massive wide shot from you know, like sitting in the like the the boom docks. So you could pretty much see everybody. I mean, look, was it exactly 137? No, I'm sure there's a couple of heads that didn't make the picture. But still, not even 200 fans in a 5,000-seat building. And this was right smack in the middle of global force invading TNA. Remember? Jeff Jarrett had possession of the King of the Mountain title, and you had Eric Young in, in, in make an appearance, basically attack Jeff Jarrett from behind, bring the belt back to TNA, blah, 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 blah. Nobody gave a shit. Same week. Talk about momentum, everyone. While TNA and Global Force Wrestling were drawing 150 in a five, 6,000 seat place, WWE on Raw would have the main roster debuts of Sasha Banks, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch. I think it's safe to say that they've done pretty good for, for themselves over the last bunch of years. Yes, I've been very critical about Sasha Banks. You know, this is a business. It's an entertainment business. You can't always be on top. You can't always have the, you know, everything shining on you. You know, because things don't go her way, she takes a ball and go home. I, I, don't, have, I don't like that at all. You know, I'm not out there busting my ass, so I'm sure there's a ton of stress and pressure involved as well. But still... You know, I just never liked a lot of those moves that she did. But hey, there's no denying she is a tremendous, huge talent. One of the bigger, more talented women's wrestlers over the last 10 years. No question. So, yeah, 2015, the women's revolution breaks loose. Monday Night Raw. 2016, last week, we had the Hardys and the final deletion go down in TNA. Well, one week later, on Monday Night Raw, the Wyatt family issued this challenge to the New Day. from a world that doesn't really exist. The power of positivity doesn't really exist. But we come from a world where the pains of reality are constant. This is the place where lost souls are found. A sanctuary. This is where we come from, New Day. And we would like to formally invite you to join us. This is an invitation. This is an invitation. So come on. Bring your sunshine. Bring your laughter. Bring your mendacity. And we will deliver you the truth. It's the power of positivity. It's nothing more than a fairy tale, a joke, a myth that only fools and children could believe. But fear, oh, fear is very, very real. So come on, New Day. Come on in. The water's fine. Join us. 
Join us. Join us. I think a lot of people forget how close together those two bouts went down. The final deletion and the Wyatt New Day compound fight was what, a week apart? Two weeks apart? That's it. And, you know, officially, people get asked me which one did I enjoy more. Uh, it's hands down. The final deletion, not even because, you know, it was the first one compared to the two. I just enjoyed it that much more. There was a lot more. And look, I think a lot of people will also say that WWE didn't have as much time to prepare. I think WWE, in the back of their mind, wanted to do something like this for a while. But once they saw the final deletion, it was like, okay, no, we got to do this. 2016, Brock Lesnar beats Mark Hunt at UFC 200. Less than a week later, the United States Anti-Doping Agency announces that Brock Lesnar tested positive for a substance, failed the drug test. So as a result, he's suspended from UFC. And the reason why I bring this up, even though it's not wrestling, is because I'll never forget the dopey, dumb excuse that WWE gave as to why they did not suspend Brock Lesnar. Because he's a part-time performer, he does not have to follow the rules of the wellness program. I was surprised at that time it didn't pick up more traction. Seriously, that because someone is a part-time wrestler, they can fail the wellness program because they're not subject to it. I just thought that was really, really ridiculous. Again, I'm shocked. Did not get more traction at the time. 2017, WWE has their Great Balls of Fire event in Dallas, Texas. For the WWE Cruiserweight Championship, Neville retains over Tazawa. Bray Wyatt over Seth Rollins. Big Kaz over Enzo. 30-minute Iron Man match for the tag titles. Cesaro and Sheamus over the Hardys. They win 4-3. to three. For the Raw Women's Championship, Sasha Banks defeats Alexa Bliss, however, by countout, so the belt does not change hands. For the IC title, The Miz retains, defeating Dean Ambrose. In an ambulance match, Braun Strowman over Roman Reigns. Heat Slater over Kurt Hawkins. And for the WWE Universal Championship, Brock Lesnar retains the title, defeating Samoa Joe. And finally, for this week, 2018 Extreme Rules from Pittsburgh. Dark match, uh, Andrade over Sin Cara. Tables match, dark match, Sanity over the New Day. For the Raw Tag Team titles, the B Team win the belts, defeating Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. Finn Balor over Baron Corbin. For the SmackDown Women's Championship, Carmella over Asuka. This was that god-awful match where Ellsworth was suspended above the ring in the cage, and he fucking slipped through the bars. Remember that garbage? For the United States Championship, Nakamura wins the belt, defeating Jeff Hardy. Kevin Owens over Strowman uh, in a steel cage match. You had the Bludgeon Brothers retain the SmackDown tag titles, defeating Team Hell No. Bobby Lashley over Roman Reigns. In an Extreme Rules match for the Raw Women's Championship, Alexa Bliss retains, defeating Nia Jax. For the WWE Championship, AJ Styles retains, defeating Rusev. And a 30-minute Iron Man match for the Intercontinental title. Dolph Ziggler defeats Seth Rollins five falls to four in Southern Death Overtime to retain the belt. Notable birthdays this week. Those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to Boba Brazil, the Crusher, the Destroyer, 
Otto Wands, Ray Hefferman, Steve Druck, Johnny Gruns, Mike Sharp Sr., Bert Aceriti, Bibba McCoy, Kayotaka Zuba, Jim White, Ira Dern, Kenny Ackles, Tony Bourne, Chris Cash, not him, John Catan, Bobby Bruns, Les Wolf, Gato Mongol, Oscar Lago, Charlie Strack, Pete Meringer, Jim Gillespie, Alex Karras, Sonny Boy Haynes, Frank Taylor, Elmer the Great, and Chris Morrison. Happy birthday to all of you. Rene Goulet is 87. Milmascadus, 77. Hercules Ayala, 69. Jesse Ventura, 68. Ultraman, 67. Billy Jack Haynes, 66. Butch Reed is 65. Dink the Clown, 63. Irma Aguilar, 62. Kevin Nash, Gilberg, and Rocco Valente turn 60. Huracan Castillo Jr. and Mark Merrill, 59. Chris Michaels and Damian, 666, a 58. Mike Enos and Jerry Gray turn 56. Akira Katayama is 55. Tom Brandy, 53. Akira Hokuto and Andy Barrow, 52. Johnny Flex and Katsushi Sakuruba are 50. J.R. Lords, 49. Joey Styles, Bubba Ray Dudley, and Flesh Gordon, not Flash Gordon, but Flesh Gordon are 48. Sean Waltman, Kachiro Yamaya, Yamamiya, Mascara Sagrada, and Mamoru Okochi are 47. Necro Butcher and Todd Myers turn 46. Shane Helms and Galloman are 45. Shelton Benjamin, Kara Elizabeth Drew, and Tano Masaku Toba are 44. Kenichi Yamamoto is 43. Brock Lesnar, Urquidia Negra, Miss Gaviota, and Matsuzugo Shimizu are 42. Toby Klein and superstar Steve Fender are 41. Teramazu Ishihara, Tyson Kidd, and E.C. Negro turn 39. Professor Loco is 38. Jeff Cobb, 37. Heath Slater, Scott Henson, and Carnage are 36. Sami Zayn, Dylan Roberts, Kyle, Jake Christ, and Ayumi Kurihara are 35. Chris Cyborg, Louis Linden, Fox Vineyard, and Davey Vega are 34. Charlie Caruso, J.C. Williams, Danny Casas, and Gus Harlicher are 33. Daichi Kazato, Jimmy Lyon, SB, and Mini Sharili are 32. Paul Robinson and Bella Ruby are 31. Sam Stackhouse is 30. Ariel Monroe, Robbie Romance, Scotty Essex, Kurt Stallion, Bronco Busick, and Carl Vedricks, along with Hudson Envy, turn 29. Diamante and Jorge Cabrada, 28. Andrew Everett, Holly Hilton, and Sammy Hall, turn 27. TJ Sky and Remy Nagano turn 25, and happy birthday to Sazami Takemoto, who turns 23. Notable debuts this week in history. J.J. Dillon debuted in 1962, Trent Peretta in 2004, Vicky Guerrero in 2005, Maris and Layla in 2006. And finally, notable deaths this week, those who passed away this week in history. Sam Cordovano died at age 88. Ace Friedman at 87, Walter Palmer at 86, Ramon Napolitano 85, Dara Singh at 83, Emil Dusek 81, Danny McShane 79, Masasayito, Glenn Denton, and Dapper Dan died at age 76, Cowboy Carlson at 73, Buddy Wolf and Leo Jensen at 66, Brute Bernard died at age 63, David Valdez 59, Frank Bronovich 58, Hilario Ruiz at 53, Laverne Baxter at 51, Shinya Hashimoto and Tom Schaff died at age 40, George Katsunaros at 38, Loco Zandakan at 37, Devil Budokan and Billy Maguire died at 32, 
and Mickey Sharp passed away at age 25. With that, I bid you farewell for this week in wrestling history. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD. The website, DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. Remember, we have the Discord page that is just up and running and active 24-7, 365, and that's not a gimmick. And as always, if you like what we do, and you want to help support the shows, help us keep these bills paid, the lights on. It's not a catchphrase, trust me. Many times we were almost forced to go completely subscription-based. Consider our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Don Tony. You can sign up for as little as two bucks now. Not only do you help us with the expenses, but you get a boatload of Patreon-exclusive content in return. I host Breakfast Soup every two weeks with Mish. Every Tuesday night, there's a live show. DTKC Show Extra, which is hosted by yours truly and Kevin Castle. Every other week, it is myself and Mish on Tuesday night for Breakfast Soup Live. You have Kevin Castle's solo show, Castle Chronicles. We have early releases of this show, commercial-free episodes of DTKC, Breakfast with Blossie, blah, 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 which is Patreon-exclusive. There's so much going on there. You get hours, dozens of hours of entertainment every week exclusive there. And plus, if you sign up, you have access to our entire library there sign up for five bucks there is got to be close to a thousand hours of content there that is exclusive for patron all shows recorded there so you have tons of footage there it's our way of saying thank you for supporting us i will be back in one week for season two episode 29 of this week in wrestling history everyone be well send your feedback as always it is much appreciated and you take care ciao